Hey everybody, uh, this is Editor J. You know how like we talk about how if you support our Patreon you get the extended versions of the podcast? We've decided for this final episode of Volume 8, we'll give you the extended cut. You hear it every week that we talk about our Patreon and we talk about how many of the podcasts get extended versions. This is one such extended version. Have a listen, see what you think. And if you want this for the shows that are coming in Volume 9, which in a couple of days you'll get to see what we're covering next year, then consider supporting our Patreon. So not only do you get these extended cuts, but very, very soon we'll have the next console special out as well. And then every month we get an exclusive podcast in which Leon and myself will just waffle about stuff, talk about the games we've been playing a lot of the time and so on and so forth so so yeah I won't waste any more of your time I'll leave you to listen to three hours of Final Fantasy 15 Hello everyone, welcome to another issue of Cane and Rinse. Uh, in this issue, issue 400, we've got to the end of volume 8. Uh, we're covering Final Fantasy XV, the last in our coverage of the mainline Final Fantasy series. We may cover some of the spin-offs in later volumes. <laughs> yes. Um, dress fears to come. Um, but before we get on to that, um, let's look at up. Oh, no, there isn't. There isn't any upcoming shows. Um, they haven't been announced yet. Look forward to that at some point in the future. We will be dropping some, uh, you know, treats on the lead up to New Year into your feeds. But for now, there are no uh, issues forthcoming um but while you're waiting for those announcements you can head on over to patreon.com slash cane and rinse and uh pop us a little bit of bit of money one dollar 77p uh you know 0.90 euros i don't know what the, the 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 thing is for uh below a euro anyway Per month, we'll we'll get you access to uh, uh, the early feed, so you will get podcasts earlier uh, earlier than non-subscribers, as well as some extra podcasts. You'll get access to uh, Jay and Leon sitting on a bench talking about old man stuff um, occasionally as well. Um, if you don't want to subscribe to uh, our Patreon, we can also accept donations via PayPal. Um, Canerins isn't the only podcast in our network. Um, we also have Sound of Play on Wednesdays, Playwright on Thursdays, and The Sausage Factory on Fridays. 
Um, subscribe and review and rate us on your podcast app of choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever RSS feed thing that you have. We're probably there and your reviews will be much appreciated. Um, you can also find us on Twitch, Canerint uh, streams on Sundays at 8 o'clock UK time, um, also on YouTube. Uh, McKeel will be streaming on Fridays, 8 o'clock UK, UK time. Um, and uh, you can follow us on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Joining me, Joshua Garrity, in issue 400 are Charlotte Cutts. I've come up with a new recipe. I was, yeah, that was always inevitable, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> Leah Haydu. This is the part where I talk about my chocobo. Yeah. Okay. His name is Mr. Feathers, and I love him. He is my beautiful son. More on Mr. Feathers later. <laughs> and Thomas Quillfelt. Walk. Fantastic. Right. As I mentioned before, we are covering Final Fantasy XV, a JRPG in this long-running series. Um, this one introduces a big open world and more real-time action elements. Um, this had um, a bit of a rocky uh, dev schedule, to say the least, and um, the credits for this game uh, suggests as much. Um, so there was a restructure um, when this game was re-announced. So it was originally uh, announced as Final Fantasy uh, Versus 13. It was then renamed uh, Final Fantasy 15, and a lot of the team changed around. So you will have to forgive me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm basing this on multiple sources. I don't exactly know uh, who was working on the game at what time. I do know confidently um, when the directors were working on the project, um, but uh, for everyone else, I just want to try and give as much credit as possible. They may not have had much involvement in the final version of the game. I don't know, but um, anyway, if you know, feel free to tell us via Twitter and Facebook. Um, so there were a number of developers pulled in to help with this. Obviously, you got Square Enix's core teams involved in this, um, but also EXPEC Entertainment, Streamline Studios, Hexadrive, and Umbra were all uh, brought in in some capacity to help bring the final version of the game to release. It was obviously published by Square Enix. Um, the original version of the game, um, Versus 13, was directed by Tetsuya Nomura. Um, and then uh, the, uh, the re after the restructure, uh, the director was Hajim Tabata. Um, this was produced by Shinji Hashimoto. Uh, the lead game designer was Wan Hazume. Lead programmer was Takashi Aramaki. So art directors, Tetsuya Nomura was involved in the original uh, character concepts. There were uh, quite a few art directors involved in this. You can look those up in your own time. Um, in terms of writers, the original scenario was uh, written by Kazushige Nojima. Um, there were several writers involved in this. Again, please uh, look those names up. The composer was uh, Yoku Shinomura. Not just um, not just her, lots and lots of others as well. Yes, um, that's the main name that comes up. But like um, 
like with many uh, uh, Japanese soundtracks, it's hard to credit um, everyone for every, you know for every individual track. But um, there were loads of different artists involved with this um, because it was uh, uh, in development for a long time. In terms of release dates, um, the PS4 and Xbox One uh, uh, version came out in November of 2016. The PC version was a whole two years later, in March 2018. And then it's on Stadia um, this year. The re- reviews, um, uh, so we're not, we uh, no longer have access to game ranking, so this is based on open critic, and they don't, uh, as far as I can tell, um, but you know, correct me if I'm wrong, they don't break it down in terms of platform in the same way um, other review aggregates do, but the average amongst all platforms is around 81 out of 100. So fairly positive um, reception for this game. So sales for it, according to Destructoid, Final Fantasy XV hit uh, 7.7 million unit sales in under two years. Um, right now, it's likely over 8 million. I did see uh, quotes of 8.4 million, um, but I wasn't too confident in the source um, of that information. Um, so on to, to touch on the development of this one. So um, I'm not like there's probably another podcast that is going to cover the whole drama of this uh, this game's announcement and um, what it became. Um, I think we should just focus on the game that eventually came out. But just to give us a brief glimpse into that kind of history, um, it was originally called Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen and was a part of the Fabula Nova Crystallis series um, and uh, was intended as a PS3 exclusive. When the game was re-announced as Final Fantasy XV at uh, E3 2013, uh, the director changed um, and it would now use the Luminous Studio engine, which Final Fantasy XIV A Realm Reborn used previously. In an interview with IGN, Tabata said, in terms of how much it had progressed in terms of development, Versus 13 was around 20 to 25% uh, complete um, before the restructuring and repositioning took place. I know that we can't really get too much out of uh, trailers and everything, but it's it's interesting to go back, and I, I might have mentioned this in the 13 show uh, somewhere, but... Um, it's interesting to kind of go back and watch those original trailers for Versus 13 because, I mean, it it is pretty much a lot of it just looks very similar to what actually came out as 15. So, I mean, I, I, I wonder how much it did change. It, it, it sounds like that it was probably not super fleshed out before uh, the change took place, but uh, I, I wonder how much actually got either drastically changed or just gotten rid of completely i mean g- given given the percentage complete com- uh you know the percentage of uh completion of the project i, I just it's just sounds like they put a pause button on it mm. and put it on a back burner base i i i wouldn't be surprised if it was entirely um down to the reaction this is just pure conjecture on my part so don't like d- d- 
take everything I'm saying with a pinch of salt. But like, I can't help but feel like it might be a reaction to how people receive Final Fantasy XIII. It's mm. like, oh, that's not great. Um, maybe, maybe put that on pause for a little bit. Yeah, and, re- um, and remember, over that time, they had to completely rebuild an MMO. And also, yeah, they were having yeah, terrible. Yeah. They had terrible trouble trouble with the Crystal Tools engine to start with for PS3, yeah. and then they had uh, similar because it's an in-house thing. Terrible trouble with the this next engine as well, the Luminous engine. So it's reported. I mean, uh, am I right in saying that the Final Fantasy VII remake is on Unreal Engine instead of the? I think it I believe started so. there. Oh. I think it started there but I can't remember if it's now changed back to Luminous because remember they brought that back in-house as well. Yeah. Like that was going to be external and then they brought that in-house as well. Yeah. Uh, worth looking into. I, I think if it is still on Unreal, that's quite telling um, about their you know feelings <laughs> on using this engine. I found an article that says that it is uh, being powered by Unreal Engine 4, but it's from 2015, so I don't actually know. Okay. <laughs> We'll find out when that game comes out. Indeed. Um, uh, this uh, forum post by Ashman86. E3 2006 felt like such a magical time. The Xbox 360 wasn't even a year old, and the PS3 and the Wii were just a few months away. I, like so many other Final Fantasy fans, were eager to see what the new generation of hardware would mean for the next entry in the series and the trailer was all but assured for the conference. And then Square Enix dropped not one, but three announcement trailers on us. Final Fantasy XIII, Final Fantasy Versus XIII, and that other one, Type Zero. (laughs) (laughs) The The games were all related to some shared universe or theme or something called the Fabula Nova Crystallis, a, a new story for the crystals. It was ambitious if a bit silly, and I couldn't have been more excited. As time proved, the project was probably too ambitious. Final Fantasy XIII was a massive disappointment for me, and I can't even remember Type Zero. And Versus basically became vaporware for years. But masochistic fans that we were, we held out hope that Versus would return. After enough time had passed, most of the community seem to have reached the consensus that Versus 13 should come back as Final Fantasy 15. And, sure enough, that's just what happened. Sort of. Final Fantasy 15 isn't really the same game we saw teased more than 10 years prior to its release. There were similarities in world and character design. The protagonist was more or less the same person we'd seen in the original trailer, but so much had changed over the years as the project presumably got shuffled from one team and director to the next that the final product seemed markedly different. In retrospect, it's a miracle the game ever launched at all. On that note, our histories. Leah, you are Captain Final Fantasy in my eyes. (laughs) So... Uh, what were your thoughts on the lead up to this release? Yeah, so I mean, I I was uh, I was into it when it was versus thirteen. Uh, I thought that it looked kind of different uh, from from what we'd mostly seen uh, as part of the Final Fantasy franchise up to that point, and it it 
it is in its final form kind of different and we'll we'll get into uh in into what that actually means uh later on but um i i had been following it pretty much since since that E3 2006 when uh when Final Fantasy 13 was announced and I went into waiting mode forever um but yeah I picked up Final Fantasy uh 15 uh day 1 obviously I got the edition that came with the Blu-ray of <laughs> of um uh let's see Brotherhood is the series the animated series that mm-hmm. uh released on YouTube uh and then um uh oh gosh what's what's Kingsclave thank you i for some reason i cannot keep that in my mind and then because it's King- a terrible name <laughs> <laughs> and then kingsclave uh on blu-ray actually came with the collector's edition of the uh of the game uh along with a very nice steel book it's it's quite lovely um but yeah so i you know i was pretty much all in i i feel like at this point final fantasy games mainline final fantasy games anyway are released infrequently enough that i i want to you know make it a special thing for me and uh yeah i i ended up really really liking the game um i there are of course problems that i have with it which we'll talk about uh, but I had, this is one of my, uh, I don't remember what my, my total is, uh, six or seven platinum trophies, uh, and this is one of them, uh, and man, there are some very, very tedious things that you need to do to get the platinum trophy in this game, so, um, I did them gladly, uh, I, I actually have very vivid memories of, um, I guess it must have been, uh, 2017 PAX East, uh, that I went to with uh, my friend Elaine, and we took a PS4 with us, and I just remember, because it was snowing, it, it had snowed quite a lot in Boston that year, and we, um, when we were not actually at the show proper, we were in the hotel room fishing uh, in Final Fantasy XV uh, for my trophy. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's I, I, I got very into the minutiae. Uh, it, it scratches that itch for me even to this day. So, uh, yeah, I... Uh, I went all in, to no one's surprise. <laughs> How about Charlotte? So I have a very different experience with Final Fantasy XV. Um, Final Fantasy XV was really my first full Final Fantasy game. I didn't really grow up with the series at all. Like I knew of it, but um, I think actually, as I talked about in my Podtoid episode that I was on last week, Um, I had a very different experience with the PlayStation 1 than a lot of other people because a lot of people got onto series like Final Fantasy or Resident Evil through a lot of the time older brothers and I didn't have that sort of figure really so I just bought sort of kids games and maybe things like Crash Bandicoot and Rayman so I had no real real history with Final Fantasy. Um, When I started collecting for my PS2 I got Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy XII and neither of those games grabbed me very well. Um, to a lesser extent, um, Final Fantasy XII, I, I got on with Final Fantasy X a little bit better, but still only played it for two hours and then dropped it. So with fifteen, what happened was my boyfriend at the time um, was super excited for this game. He ordered the steelbook, the, the, the one that came with Kingsglaive, and he was so excited. And then about a week after he got the game and he'd given it a go, he said... Charlotte, this game is absolute garbage. I don't want to play it anymore. 
and um basically because i had no experience with final fantasy but i thought maybe a newer final fantasy might interest me more and maybe something like the fantastic graphics and the new stuff that the game brings might actually grab me this time so i thought well this is just going to sit on his shelf so maybe i should borrow it and yeah my my um, opinion of the game was entirely different to my, my boyfriend at times um opinion unfortunately we broke up and then i had to give the game back um, because I am a nice individual and I didn't steal his games. Um, but then I actually, um, Silver Linings, I bought the Royal Edition, so I've had the opportunity um, to play the DLC, and I bought Arden's DLC as well. And um, as I'll talk about, it's kind of the average experience for DLC, really. Nothing special, not, not terrible. But yeah, um, I had a really good time with the game. I didn't really get into all of the minute detail like uh, Leah did, but I'd had a great time with the time I spent with it, which was probably about 30 hours. Tom? So uh, I, I remember when this was announced all the way back, and I remember feeling absolutely nothing about it, and then getting quite excited for Final Fantasy Thirteen. And, and listeners can check out that podcast if they want to know how that went. Uh, uh, the short version is it didn't go very well. Kind of, um, even though I played thirteen two and completed that, quite enjoyed it. I didn't then go to Lightning Returns, and sort of my fondness for the series really took a beating. I think. Um, so when this was reannounced as Final Fantasy fifteen, again, didn't interest me at all. And this is, you know, I've I've been at it since Final Fantasy seven back in ninety seven, and uh, that's my favourite game of all time. And I've played eight, nine, six, five, all of the many of the rest of them so i've sort of done my time with the series so to to feel completely indifferent to this before it came out was a was a strange one and then they kind of did that huge marketing blitz didn't they they announced the film they did a big conference and to announce the date and they announced the film and all of this other stuff the sort of cross media um thing and then they had to announce a delay to the main game like a month after that so it was a bit ridiculous but i remember feeling extremely cynical uh about that and skeptical about how good this game was actually going to be given the trouble it had had and uh yeah and then i waited i read the reviews was not impressed at all and waited a whole almost a year before checking it out so i borrowed and i didn't buy it I just borrowed it off uh, my nephew around, I think, September 2017 because I figured, oh, they must have fixed the game by now. You know, they must have put in whatever they were going to put in almost a year later. Um, and I completed it, obviously. But but again, left feeling largely indifferent, <laughs> even after, after beating the game and being a, a series fan. And then um, I got subbed in for this podcast for Leon and and so there might have been a flicker of temptation to kind of check out the the episodes or or the multiplayer or stuff or or go back and and start a new game but no just you know I completed the game it didn't strike me uh, that well and um they should have put those episodes in the game in the first place you know even a year out from from you know I should have been able to play a complete game and um my experience was uh, was far from that I was interested in Final Fantasy fifteen, but I think like you, Tom, um I had been burnt um by uh 
Final Fantasy 13, and uh, it was going to take a lot to get me to trust again. Um, and the reviews came out, and they were positive, but it wasn't. It wasn't like you've got to get this game now. It's it's Final Fantasy back, you know, back in business. It wasn't like that. It was more like, yeah, it's all right. It's good. And and in my mind, when that happens, just automatically goes, okay, it's on the wish list. Uh, I'll get it when it goes on sale. And um, yeah, like almost like a whole year later, um, I uh, picked it up on PS4. I think I got it for like, 18 quid i want to say it's, um, it's definitely on some sales frequently yeah. even the royal yeah, edition yeah. yeah it was it was pretty cheap and um yeah and it just kind of just i i got it i put it i you know i i've got this like giant wallet that i put all my game discs in because i like to recycle the uh the game cases um so i just put put the disc in the in the in the wallet and then it just like sat there uh for ages and ages and ages uh and then two years passed and i still <laughs> hadn't played the game um and now it's on sale for even cheaper than i got it and it's one of those situations like why did i why did i do that um and uh then uh this was coming up uh as part of the the series that we were covering is like great okay now i finally have like a deadline it's really you know, I find Kane and Rince deadlines really useful for getting stuff off my backlog. Great, um, um, I'll 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 push on with it. Um, I really struggled with this game. Uh, we'll get into the details um, of this later. Um, but I apathy is probably the word that I'm going to use most uh, during this podcast. Um, wow. um, yeah, it just it was a real slog. Um, and I will, let's talk about the reasons why now let's, let's just dive in. Um, so Final Fantasy 15, just to give a, uh, setup of the state of the world as we enter the scene, uh, Lucis, which is the home nation of our, uh, our little squad, um, of problematic bachelors, um, <laughs> uh, Noctis, Gladius, and uh, Prompto, and Ignis. Uh, they are essentially, um, I mean, the whole thing has the feel of a stag do before a wedding. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Y- yeah. Like... I mean, boy band, I would say. It's like Westlife, but with more. Well, on, on tour. Well, they'd have a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, the the wedding itself is actually like a very like serious political uh, arrangement between uh, Lucis and Niflheim. There's been an armor. Uh, there's the two nations have been um, at war with each other. Uh, Niflheim is like the larger um, imperial force, and Lucis is like an independent state. Um, this and, is uh, in theory what the uh, what the Kingsclave is about, sort of. Um, yeah, it sets all this up, and it's not very good, but it is very pretty. <laughs> yes, you could say that about this whole endeavor. Um, so, um, um, yeah, so there's uh, an armistice, which apparently, yeah, as you say, Leah, is kind of uh, talked about more in the in the movie. Um, there's meant to be peace, whatever. 
then uh, the Empire basically backstab um, uh, the, the Lucis Nation. They invade, they steal the crystal, and then they assassinate the king. Um, and then you, Noctis, and your your merry band are uh, left in a situation where you both have to retrieve the crystal and restore Lucis to its former glory, um, while also collecting summons and uh, royal arms along the way. Um, and yeah, that's basically the setup of the story. You're basically going on a for most of the game before it starts to narrow towards the end. You're going on a tour of the globe to find these these artifacts and these ancient powers. So, as a just general setup for the world, how did we all feel about this? Um, I want to start with Leah. Well, so I. The, my biggest problem with the setup of the world, uh, I don't really have a whole lot of issue with what the setup is. Like, I, it's it's a fine setup, you know. It's a pretty classically uh, classically supported type of. There are two nations struggling for power, and one of them is not so ethical about how they get that power. Oh no! Yeah, I mean it's. It's not anything especially out of the ordinary, but it's it's fine. Like I, I don't I don't have an issue with that. What I do have an issue with is the fact that they really do, and I think this will tie into a lot of what Tom's issues are. Um, is that so much of it is stacked into that movie that you're supposed to have as background, I guess. And yeah. I I don't I don't love that. I I don't feel that they do the best job of explaining what you are supposed to know about the world in the game itself. Like, if you didn't watch the movie, then you're actually... Like, it's so stupid that you have to, or that you should, air quotes should, have to watch, you know, a series, an, an animated series, and then a two-hour film, and, yeah. you know, before you even start this, you know, minimum 30-hour game, probably. But, but the worst bit is that this... You should watch the series first, or maybe you should play the first 10 minutes of the game, then watch the series to find out who these four guys are, then play the game up to the, that point in the story, then watch the film, and then come back to the game, and then wonder why the heck these guys aren't reacting to the events that just happened in the... I, I can't even remember where yeah, it all fits it, in, to be honest. No, I, it's I, a mess. I agree. It's that's, a total that's, mess. The story... The story itself is fine. It's how they present the story and how it's all kind of chopped up and... Yeah. and hidden in different places that i have the problem with i i i think back to um uh I, I have to say covering final fantasy i i was initially um going into the final fantasy 12 podcast a little bit uh saddened that i didn't love it as much as i remembered loving it mm -hmm. um but covering 13 and 15 immediately after it has kind of restored some of my love for 12 because <laughs> it's reminding me um what that game did so elegantly and this the opening of this game really reminded me of that opening cutscene in Final Fantasy 12 because how quickly and elegantly does 12 kind of just establish the state of the world and the stakes like that opening cutscene is short it's sweet but it conveys information very effectively. Like you, you know what's going on. You know the state of the world. And so, the moment you uh, take over um, 
Well, actually, you play as his brother first. But even then, like when you take over Van, um, you know, you know what's going to happen. You know how this is going to play out. And I can only explain what's going on in fifteen with uh, the detail <laughs> that I did earlier because I looked up stuff yeah. because I did research. <laughs> I was confused throughout the opening. Like, this cutscene just started playing with no dialogue or sound effects. And I think, I'm not entirely sure this was a cutscene that was in the, like, original release. I think it might actually be one of the additions uh, post-release. But it looks like it's from the Kingsglaive movie. This just cutscene plays of the invasion and the assassination, but there's no like context, there's no like dialogue or anything. Like, what? Okay, he's dead now? Okay, great. And then there's just like a really quiet scene with them all like realizing via newspaper. And it's just the most pedestrian like way of expressing something so dramatic. Like, this should be a big deal. Why are they finding out by reading a newspaper? They should be looking over her like. A cliff top, like the the cars parked over the uh, horizon, and they can see the battleships like coming down and just you know destroying um, insomnia. That's the name of the city, yeah. insomnia. But what um, I mean, th- th- there's as a when this game first came out, you know, November 2016. It's like someone bringing you a fairly tasty looking meal, but there's just huge bits of it gouged out, and you're like, well, where's this bit of my meal? And like, oh. We're going to bring it to you on a on a different plate in ten minutes' time. And you're like, yeah. what? But I want to, I just want to eat my meal now. They're like, oh no no, we're going to bring different. Yeah, you know, we had to take some of it out. And then with, of course, with the 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 episodes of everybody, there's kind of there's, there's the the core, the very core of this is quite appealing. Boy band road trip, thumbs up. I for me, the first time I heard someone describe it as that it was the most interesting thing anyone had ever said about the game. And then the idea that your friends uh, split off from you and they have, you know, adventures and experiences and then they come back and you, the, you, you as the main character might not know what they've been through, what trauma they might have been through. That's quite interesting. But um, you, you can't just play Final Fantasy XV from start to finish and feel in any way satisfied as far as I, I felt with the story because there's just these huge bits gouged out um and in many ways that just makes me way more interested in like the tell-all making of documentary about how the heck they got this out the door rather than the actual kind of game itself because it is a mess it's a a charming mess it's getting into this a little bit earlier than I, I think we were going to but um since we're talking about things that were removed and put back in and all that um I, I, Tom, you mentioned that you like the idea of the, uh, the, uh, different characters, your, your, uh, battle buddies, mm. uh, your, your, compl- <laughs> your other boy band members, um, having, you know, like spin off stories that happen to them. And I do too. I actually really like that. What I had the, what I had a problem with was how it was presented. And I don't mean that it was DLC because that's, I, I, I get it. You know, you want to make DLC or whatever, but like there is a very specific, definite, 
each person is going to be removed from the story <laughs> at one point. So there is a perfect little slot for something to... It just... It felt so contrived to me that they were removing each... Of, like, it wasn't like more than one person gets separated. Although I guess there is a part where you're by yourself. So, you know, whatever. But, um, but you know, each each of them has their own, like, oh, well, Prompto fell off the train or we got thrown off the train, really. Uh, so he's gone now, but everybody else is still here. But what happened? I think that was the... Oh, no, they're all bad, aren't they? I was going to say that was the worst and most contrived, but actually thinking of Gladio's one... They're all pretty bad, yeah. He just disappears, I mean... <laughs> and I mean, I, well, uh... yeah, the DLC, I mean, is... is We'll talk about it, whether it lives up to um, what, what maybe it should have been um, or not. But, uh, I mean, it's it's fine, you know, it's 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 it is DLC, but like, yeah, I it's just the way that they set up the fact that, hey, guess what? Guess what goes here? <laughs> There's going to be something. There's going to be this DLC. I don't know. It just it felt contrived. You see, I as somebody who was very new to Final Fantasy when I played this for the first time. I don't feel like I noticed as much of this as everybody else did. Like, I sort of thought it was going to be very fantastical and go over my head. I mean, I had already, like, pay- played the first couple of hours of Final Fantasy thirteen, and I was completely lost. Like, this was before I went back to it, I think, and replayed it. So I was kind of expecting not to understand everything, and I think that made it more enjoyable, the fact that I sort of prepared myself not to um to only understand the plot on a superficial level and just to enjoy it for what it was so it didn't really all this stuff didn't really bother me that much and with characters missing i was just like oh yeah this is this is probably to see how i manage without this person in my party i've seen that in other rpgs so what i don't know i I don't think it was the best way of presenting um the environments and i have i do have problems with the story but it didn't bother me as much as it sounds like it bothered the rest of the panel to be honest to me it wasn't like a a massive i i hadn't built this game up in my head mm-hmm. in the same yeah. way that i had with uh final fantasy 13 so i think um it's it's a weird one for me like i like the ideas in final fantasy 15 a lot more than the ideas in 13 but in some ways, I think the execution in 13 is more uh, elegant than the execution here. Um, I think ultimately, I end up preferring 15 because the the I just think the ideas are stronger, and that just comes through. But like, yeah, I it does like you mentioned Gladius's exit from the plot. That is the one that annoys me most because Prompto, there's actually like a. Um, I know, Tom, you said you didn't like it, but for me, like, there was actually a dramatic moment built mm. around his his absence, which is much more, that feels much more organic to me. It's like, okay, right, there's some, you know, he, he you know, you think he might be dead. You know, that's, that's, that's good. That's good drama. Whereas Gladius is just like, guys... I just gotta, gotta do something. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> um... <laughs> What, what are you doing? What are you doing, Gladys? Uh, just, just a thing. Just a thing. But Do you want to give us more detail? 
No. But don't like him and Cor just go off for some manly time. It just felt like they were off going to go and like punch boulders or something. I, I, yeah, I, I, again, I took that at face value and it was like, yeah, he's probably got to go and do some sparring or something because of him being the macho character. So it wasn't great, but it didn't stick in my craw way that that much, really. But the thing that made it even worse for me is not not just his exit, but his re-entrance because you know maybe this is my fault but i have kind of been mainlining the 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 main mission at this point and if you mainline the main mission he's gone for like 5 minutes mm. like 10 <laughs> minutes it feels like but the the game treats it as if he's been gone for a long time <laughs> and they're like Oh my god, Gladius! Oh, I'm so glad you're back! Oh my god, you've got a new scar. You've lived a whole lifetime that we just haven't seen. And like, guys, he's been gone for a day. You had one <laughs> one night at camp. It was before a very he showed busy up again. day. <laughs> he was really busy, and that just undercut. Like, it felt like any drama that was meant to be, um. Uh, taken from that reunion was just completely uh, sapped out of it just because like no time had passed Mm. and if they wanted that to have impact he'd have to be gone for like way longer yeah and Um, and Iggy just coming back blind I mean by that point of the game I was just like you know what just I am fed up of this just finish the flipping game before you put it out and then he, he comes back blind but he can still see and fight and I was just like that's that's totally pointless and what, what am I supposed to feel yeah. about that? That's nonsense. It's total nonsense. Um, that's, that that that's one really one, irritated me. That's the one that I feel really should have actually been in the game because that's the one that's the most obvious. Oh, hey, don't you want to see how this happened to him? Huh? 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 Well, you got to buy the yeah. DLC. <laughs> so that one, that one seems the most the most essential to the plot if they wanted to keep that in there. I mean, they're, they're, they're just this kind of goes back to my intro, really. But I played this game after I'd completed The Witcher Three. You know, I played this game after yeah. I played Bloodborne and Metal Gear Solid Five and Arkham Knight. And whilst all those games have issues, they are all much better games for me than this game. And playing this after them, yeah, I mean, just it really does not it's- do well in comparison. To me, to me, like the 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 big problem is just a sense of cohesion. Like there's there's a lot of like great ideas that are just kind of sellotaped together. Um, <laughs> like and pr- I, I, I and can't stick, help... and then another one stuck on top, and then something. Yeah, yeah, coming out the side. I I also can't help but feel like some of the plot elements of this are like a greatest hits collection of moments from the Final Fantasy series, but. Without the, without the legwork and uh, you know the the work needed to to give those moments impact. So, um, uh, by the way, spoiler warning: I should have issued that <laughs> before, but like full spoilers uh, from here on out. So, Luna Freya introduced uh, this massively important you know person in uh, Noctis's life and his childhood. They're going to get married, so Luna Frey is the love of his life, um, and you only ever see them interact in flashbacks. 
Um, the moment they meet each other, uh, like shortly after that, she's killed. And the whole thing has, because she's um, killed by the primary antagonist of the game, Arden, uh, it feels like they're trying to recapture that moment from Final Fantasy VII where Eris is, is killed. But the reason... But it's like they, they, they forgot why Eris's death was impactful. It's because she was in your party. Like, you... You know, you invested in that character. You 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 level leveled her up. She was your main healer. Yeah, like, and there was, was and there was a love triangle. There was some delicate yeah, and touching the, and flirty I, scenes but, of them together. And there was some lovely character work as well. But that, that that's that's the important thing is you saw the relationship grow in front of you between Cloud and Ares. Uh, yes. Whereas, but, it, but you see, if you watch Kingsclave, I right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you watch Kingsclave, you'll get the necessary characterization to justify the plot beats of the game. And that and that's what pisses me off. It's like all the this important character work is cut out and put somewhere else. The episodes are, are symptoms of that. Um and then there's stuff like um just like the world of ruin, I know I'm skipping way ahead. Basically, Arden essentially wins at a certain point in the plot. Hey, Kefka says hello, um, and um, the the world is put into ruin, just like in Final Fantasy VI. And again, it's not it's not understanding why the world of ruin in that game was so affecting. It's because. The world of ruin happens at the halfway point of Final Fantasy VI. You just have to live in the 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 ruins of the old world for so long and realize how much has been lost. And in this, it's like they just turn the lights off. <laughs> they just turn the lights off, and there's some monsters <laughs> around. I mean, that really and... could. I mean, if they'd really been able to go back to the you know to the drawing board like they did with Realm Reborn. That that doing that trick again, but doing it properly and just having the open world, having the, the open world, then the linear stuff, then back to the open world. But it's much, much harder. But you can go to lots of different places and it's it's inter- you know, it's it's an interesting twist on it. But yeah, they, they really don't do that. Just to play a bit of devil's advocate, uh, but also to explain a bit more my confusion with Luna Freya, it's that I'm not sure if she was meant to be like Aerith because um, Aerith. I haven't played Final Fantasy VII, but I know roughly who she is. Um, because, I mean, again, I didn't watch any of the background, so I was just filling the the blanks in as I went along. But I got the impression that they were like sort of in love with each other in a way, but it was an a, mainly an arranged marriage, and it was kind of a thing that even if they didn't love each other, they'd have to do it. So it was kind of I felt like the game was built more on sort of the the platonic love between the four characters so even though like for most of the game i was like this is okay and it's very sad that luna freya passed away but that's her death is kind of it's a tragic moment but it's not the main motivator of the story for me yeah but the re but where it got really confusing was right at the end because the end is about them reuniting in a way and i was like okay but i've just had to say goodbye to my best friends and that's what the game was about so this is actually really upsetting and i don't want him to go <laughs> so it, it was it had a bit of a um i could see that maybe actually 
Luna Freya's not supposed to be like Aerith and, and you're supposed to feel sad, but maybe that's not why you're playing the game. You're not playing the game for her. But then the end sort of was a bit like a happy ending in them reuniting. And I didn't feel like... It took me playing the DLC to understand actually why Noctis had to do what he had to do. And then it fitted together. But for at the like that final camp scene, I was like bawling because I was like, I don't want to say goodbye to my friends. Yeah, so, and that, that is well done, to be fair. Yeah, that's uh, so... But it, it's it's a... Uh, it felt confusing. Looking back on it, it was confusing. I, I don't, I'm yeah. not sure if I was supposed to feel more for Luna Freya than I did. And actually the friendship thing was supposed to be sort of a B plot or if it was the A plot. It was very, it, it wasn't very well decided. They're all C plot. Every <laughs> plot in the game. No, I, I, think, I think that they, I, I, I'm going to kind of agree with both sides of this because I, I do think that the, the friendship quartet there uh is the a plot but i think that they tried to make a second a plot with luna freya and i don't think that they pulled it off super well i it it's i'm i i can't really separate and say whether they give enough um uh justification in the game itself because i did watch the uh the supplementary material type things but i i thought that they did a relatively decent job of saying that yes this is absolutely an arranged marriage but also it coincidentally they also uh do love each other and have known each other for ever you know and and that's wonderful for them so i i mean i i i think i i don't necessarily agree that she's being equated to eris but I think that she is supposed to be more important to the storyline than she ultimately ends up. Then they ultimately end up pulling it off in, yeah. in mm. for most of us, it seems like. Yeah. And this is kind of bleeding into th- true character discussion. But mm. I feel like the, another problem with this was that Luna Freya was a very sort of wishy-washy um milk toast kind of character which was particularly disappointing when i played arden's dlc because um in arden's dlc you see a descendant of luna freya and she's really ballsy and really fiery and seems like really like a nice woman to have a laugh and joke with whereas luna freya just seems completely flat and i'm not quite sure why they did that because um just because you're an oracle doesn't mean you have to be um monotone and (laughs) yeah yeah personalityless I have a terrible metaphor about the story elements of this game, and I think it comes from verses thirteen. You know, Noctis already being there, and Insomnia already being there, and, and us. You know, some of these ideas and characters seem to have stuck around for the whole of development. Is that it's a bit like when you've only got some old potatoes and you want to make mashed potatoes, and then it doesn't matter how much you cook them, they're going to be lumpy, and then you mash it, and there's just lumpy bits, and there's nothing you can do. So you add loads of butter and you add loads of salt to try and rescue it and then all you have is over salted lumpy mashed potatoes because the in the first place the potatoes were old and it and it feels a little bit like maybe with her character i don't know exactly how it went down but it feels like they maybe should have let some of this stuff go and actually focused just focused essentially and just tried to yeah. you know not not cram everything in and who knows what was cut and and what changed and whether her role was was bigger or not i don't know hey 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 guys you want to hear something that you're gonna get really tired of hearing me say (laughs) 
they yeah. they expand on that in the in in Kingsclave. <laughs> uh, I've seen Kingsclave. I just can't remember it. Yeah, I, the only reason I really remember it is because I've watched it very recently. Um, I I did not. I I've played. Um, I started a new game plus, and I've played through some of it. But what I really wanted to do, and I, I think maybe Charlotte did something similar, is to uh, kind of go through some of the side stuff and um, and actually watch the King's Clave again um, and try and make some more sense out of it than I did the first time around. With with the points that um, both uh, you, uh, you, Leah, and, and Charlotte were making, I actually agree with what you're saying. I think the um the boy band is definitely intended to be the focus and this is not really the emotional cut like luna freya is not the emotional core of the game but for me it was and and i don't think luna freya is actually that similar to um to Aerith as a character for me it was more the imagery and mm. the scenario that evoked that because both characters are in the in the middle of a you know world changing ritual and then the bad guy comes out of nowhere and stabs them it's like the exact same event but without any of the weight that seven had hmm. um and that's what bothered me it was like you're just using the the visual language of that scene and it doesn't have any of the emotional weight because I don't know or, frankly, care yeah. about Luna Freya in, in the same way that I did about um, Aerith. You know, Aerith is a weird character. I think there are problems with that character. But for for what they managed, that was really impressive. Yeah. Whereas here it feels out of place and that's kind of how i like just to talk about the the antagonist who i actually think in terms of um writing and just on-screen personality is actually quite effective i think arden's quite memorable in his demeanor but his motivation and his backstory is so un like under um underbaked undercooked um I think they're going for like a sexy Kefka kind of thing. Someone, <laughs> mate, they're going for Tom Baker's who, Doctor Who. Well, yeah, that. But y- you know what Jesus. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> they're going. They're going for the the, jest, the the court jester eventually undermining the king. Like he's very like comedic and and uh, suave and and like I I do feel like they're they're trying again to recapture old glories um but it's quite but, they, um, they had to they had to do some gymnastics there don't they because it's an open world game for most of it so you have yeah. to have but you know i i don't like the fact he's a bit timey-wimey spacey-wacy and that he could just sort of turn up and yeah. push things along and then disappear <laughs> and whatever but he you know much more so than the old linear fun fancies that's kind of necessary because you need to be able to arrive at different places in the open world and still have the antagonist mm. if you're going to have the antagonist actually talk to the the protagonists he does need to be able to jump around in time and space doesn't he and sort of have yeah. this mysterious kind of oh i was leading you along all, all the way so i can kind of forgive them for the for that but it it's still i mean i, I episode arden i'm sure explains all kinds of important stuff about it but mm. but, but <laughs> it's, it's actually one of the better dlcs i think yeah, 
but it's thin. Um, it's it's too thin in the game that they released in 2016. Yeah, mm. I it's it's one of those like the metaphor that I came up with in my head to explain why I I just cannot accept that the DLC fixes the plot is that it's like telling me that a vase that was split into pieces glued together is complete is equal to just a vase that wasn't broken in the first place. I can see the cracks. I can see where the glue is. It doesn't look as good as just the regular vase that Mm. was fully formed to begin with. Yeah. So it's like, I get, yeah, absolutely great. I'm glad that those answers are there and that characterization is there, but it should be in the game. Yeah. It should be in the main game. Well, I was just going to say, I was interested to hear what Charlotte thought this being her first Final Fantasy game and Leah thought this not being her first Final Fantasy game by any means of of both Arden and but but the kind of the journey of the king and Noctis's journey over the course of the game the sacrifice I mean Noctis um so moving on to what I thought of Noctis really um I only really warmed to Noctis when he became old Noctis yeah air quotes <laughs> old Noctis he, he looks about 35 yeah um <laughs> it's yeah, he's he's very whiny teenager and it's really the other three main characters who carry the game and I only like Noctis because of his interactions with these characters, really. And I think that's um, intentional at the beginning because I think that they are trying for and arguably not succeeding in very well uh, up, up until the end. They, well, I, I don't know. I, I, I would say that they do an okay job of it, but uh, maybe it's not as pronounced as I would like. But... Um, a journey for him as a character you know he starts out yeah. as this little royal brat you know and then has to go through everything that they go through in order to become the the king that he is at the end yeah and i think at the beginning it is really effective because there's that conversation with his father where he's basically um having a bit of a dig at him and saying that the other three have to make sure he's behaving and stuff like that but I feel like it takes way too long for him to become a sympathetic character. Mm. Um, but the, the whole thing with Arden and that him like following them around and only really becoming an obvious baddie later on, I really liked that because it felt like there was this quirky uncle following them around for half the game and then suddenly he became evil, which I quite liked. Arden mm. is the one DLC I haven't played yet and um, I need to because he is fascinating to me it, it makes you really like arden actually i once you've played the dlc and i think actually the dlc only came out this year right uh yeah i believe so i think it was early yeah. this year it's um so they only finished the game one. in 2019 <laughs> yeah and i think i think just to go back to josh's um broken vase analysis um analogy um I think, actually, if it was just, for example, the Arden DLC that went back and explained something, that would be okay. But they did it so much with this game. We're going to talk mm. about later how they, in fact, redid Chapter 13 because people yeah. complained. Oof. Like, there was so much that they patched at the end. And actually, in, in terms of Chapter 13, I'm not going to cover it too much, but I was glad they did that. But yeah. the fact that they had to do that, it's just so much repairing... Um, retrospectively it just reflects really badly on the game i'm sure we have more to say on characters but i'm just going to read this forum post and hopefully it will kick start some further conversation um nut raptor says a critical part of whether this game works for you 
is whether you actually find it appealing to spend time hanging out with Noctis and his friends. Fortunately, I did. I thought they were a fun bunch, and I liked the banter between them. I enjoyed the little campfire moments, cruising in the car, and the jaunts that Noctis would occasionally take with one of them on his own. I don't normally have much time for cooking mini-games, but I never got tired of Ignis creating a new recipe. Recipe. That, they, they are they are charming. You can feel that probably a lot more work went into making those bonds work and making those characters interesting and distinct. And I think that really pays off for me. And and actually, the Brotherhood anime is is quite fun and and does feed nicely into the game at the start because you learn about why these characters are different. It's much better than Kingsglaive. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's just touching and it's just fun and it's a nice gentle way to set up the the boy band road trip and and like you say charlotte that moment at the end where where that final kind of camp is is the emotional climax of the of the whole story i've got to say as much as i dislike about this game that did work for me uh that from the the beginning when they're children the beginning of the story when they're children in brotherhood and those relationships forming to that to that last campfire that that really does work for me uh quick aside am i the only one who played this in japanese yes uh, i didn't yeah i yeah how was the english voice acting i know they have a lot of names uh who are not necessarily known as voice actors oh um, i <sighs> I don't understand why Ignis had a really dodgy British accent. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was it was very dodgy. Uh, yeah. I don't think his acting was bad though. Actually, no, because because I was watching the Gladio DLC and it occurred to me the voice was way too deep. The English voice was this huge booming thing, and it didn't seem to match the character model. Um, I don't know. That could have just been a mixing thing. You know, it doesn't even have to have been the actor, but. Um, overall for the whole game i just from what i remember two years ago it's kind of like yeah it was pretty pretty good overall maybe i yeah i i think the voice acting is fine i think the the localized english script is uh is um a a tire fire um (laughs) to say it lightly um i again another example of me retrospectively thinking god final fantasy 12 they got it right um like the the English localization for Final Fantasy XII is so strong, like um, that kind of Shakespearean light dialogue um, that they use, and and allow, you know allowing the localizers to actually get a bit creative and and find creative solutions to expressing the original story. It, it just it comes across so well, and those characters have so much life. And you love the banter between them; like it's so good every time that you're just walking around and there's just casual banter between these four. I wanted to throw them all into a pit and forget them. <laughs> like it is so, it's so cringeworthy. Like some of it is like, there's like references to pop culture that like uh, prompto, you are not as funny as you think you are. Um, <laughs> well, actually, I don't think do- he's supposed to be. I, he's not I supposed think, to be. I think yeah. prompto is supposed <sighs> to be annoying. He's the, doof- but- he's the doofy friend with self-esteem problems. I know, but like, there's a way of making that actually funny and not like. Yeah, I mean, but but the one scene that sticks with me is you know right at the beginning when they're pushing the car. 
Mm-hmm. That, yeah. actually, that actually made me laugh a bit. I thought that was quite well done. Um, yeah, I, but I, I, I thought it was just okay. I've, I've seen worse. I've seen way worse, but I've seen way better. Yeah, I, um, I agree. Honestly, I like if anyone has played Assassin's Creed Odyssey, um, the modern day stuff in Assassin's Creed Odyssey is famously like unbelievably bad. Just, just unbelievably cringe. bad. Yeah. That's a crazy. Just so much, so much worse than just the re- like the regular ancient Greece stuff. Great, love it. Look, Cassandra's great. No problems with that. But anytime the modern day stuff comes up, the dialogue and banter between those characters is just—I uh, just want to die. And I felt the same way the entirety of this game. Wow, like I really? just, ex- right, with the exception of cutscenes, for whatever reason. When it was just characters having a dramatic moment, fine. Like I, I could get on board. But just the the banter that happened during gameplay—that's the issue for me. The banter that happened during gameplay, I found just atrocious. That might actually be a production. That sounds like it could have been a production thing. You know, this this game had yeah. terrible production trouble. It makes sense that the cutscenes are mo-capped with the actors, the actors actually in a room reacting to each other. Mm. It makes perfect sense that that would have a lot more to it than um, them just, you know, in their own booth one at a time, reading off lines and then it being stitched together afterwards. And obviously, holding it up to Uncharted 4, which is also 2016, a bit unfair, but, you know, that is, yeah. that is the yeah. gold standard in some ways of the banter. Are there any other, um, just I'm putting it to the panel, are there any other standout characters for you uh, amongst the supporting cast that you want to give a mention? Can I, can I very quickly just say how unbelievably boring and bland all the rest of the characters in this game that I'm now reading off the list. I'm like, Ravis, uh, yeah, Kor, all right. Iris, no. And Aranea, yeah, she's she's cool. She's cool. That's about it. Yeah, I, li- I liked Aranea, all right. Um, yeah, I liked her. I liked her. Yeah. And Cindy, oh my lord. Ooh, like I don't know why they gave her a um. What accent did Cindy have? I'm did talking a lot about accents. Deep South, but... like. Yeah, but why? Like, why did they feel the need to distinguish all the different um, like it's a trick of like localization to um when there's different worlds to distinguish them by using different real life accents, and in this game it was a bit weird. Like to, to to add on, like Cindy had a very over the top accent, and she was um, not wearing many clothes, even though she's a mechanic. I mean, I'm not going to get into a big discussion about this because we we really went in deep on that in, in Metal Gear Solid Five about treat how it treats women, and I didn't think I didn't think that it was a big deal. It's just like why it's yeah, just unnecessary. I I not- I I agree with what you're saying because like. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with Cindy as a character. Like she no. seemed fine, uh, but yeah, why there was the the just completely non-appropriate <laughs> mechanic clothing it was a little baffling. Yeah. However, the fact that there was Sid, um, from what I've gathered from listening to the other Kanerin's episodes, Sid is in every single Final Fantasy game in some way. Uh, the fact that Sid was there and Cindy having like a younger Sid, who was actually not what you would think, but rather his granddaughter, was quite refreshing. I quite like that idea. Mm. But uh, they don't really play a big role in the game, Didn't really. she? There was some tasteless, very tasteless stuff with her, like, putting petrol in the car mm. and some male gaze stuff. 
Yeah. Wasn't there I'm, something where... I, but then there's... it's four dudes on a road trip, so... True. Mm, it, it, didn't, it, it wasn't the most egregious it. thing I've ever seen, but it was just a bit, mm, is that really necessary? I think there was something with the... Um... Uh, the VR cool. uh, bit where okay. basically Ooh, okay. you could just look at Cindy. Yeah, I c- I'm not. I'm not. 100% I, mean, I think sure no, I heard that how, too. How that it was that goes, really inappropriate. I, she for me, she's not in the game long enough for for her to have really any impact, which I think makes her appearance kind of even worse. Because it's like I I feel like I can forgive. Um, I can forgive over sexualization if a character is actually fleshed out um it's not like i don't know I, maybe that's not okay but like I, I just if if it's a real person and that's just the choice of attire they like to wear fair enough but she feels like she just exists to be looked at and it kind of feels a bit creepy um but yeah there's, there's my favorite character in the whole game is this guy called Dave, right? He's just a guy called Dave. He looks like he's from Fallout New Vegas. He's just got a crew cut. He's just got arms, gloves, gray, standing against the wall. He's just called Dave. And you, you do a quest, you come back to him, Dave. You do a quest, you come back to him, it's Dave. I mean, it's the, it's, you know, I joke. I, he may, really made me laugh, but it is the absolute pits and it, and it suggests that they just they just needed more more time basically or i don't know i don't know i don't know but, but yeah there's there's some yeah. bad character work going on here up and down throughout the main cast and the side even the quest givers as well yeah i don't know um i think core i quite liked core because i i feel like that having him in the game did something in the sense of from what I gathered, he went through all this before with Noctis's dad. He was part of his squad. And the idea that there is an older generation who's gone through similar things to what Noctis and his gang have gone through, and they're older and wiser and more jaded. And seeing Noctis's gang become older, wiser and more jaded as the game goes through, I thought that was kind of a nice way of sort of foreshadowing that they're going to become, um, they're going to go through some horrible trials and they're going to come out of it feeling about 30 years older. So I, I thought little touches like that were nice. Ravis was a bit like, you know, sister, like very sort of um, old school baddie, very, you know, chewing the scenery sort of thing. Um, but yeah, a lot of the cast was really not very memorable, which is a shame. Yeah. It's very Final Fantasy X uh, with, with core. Um because I, I know, I, 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 Charlotte, I know you haven't played very much of it, but essentially that's what you find out, or part of what you find out through the, uh, yeah. the course of the story is yeah. the journey that you are making is one that has been made so many times before. Mm. Oh, of course, yeah. Final Fantasy X is a whole kind of sacrifice suicide thing as well. <laughs> I forgot that. Do, do, do you... <laughs> Spoilers, guys. Jeez. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I've listened to the podcast. It's fine. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't articulate in the same way. There's there is maybe it's because I've got two sons now. There is something about Noctis's relationship with his dad uh and with his bros and the idea that the king has to sacrifice himself at the end. There's something yeah. there that is um emotionally stimulating for me, especially the idea of like not really understanding what your dad has in mind for you 
I guess some people like the kind of the, the Dumbledore and Harry Potter twists and turns in that relationship. I won't spoil Harry Potter. Yeah. But there's something there with like kind of knowing the burden that falls upon our hero. Um, uh, and yeah, the, it kind of, it didn't hit me at the end. But I suppose it sort of lightly touched me uh, in terms of feeling like that was a worthwhile central emotional driving force, this idea of royalty and sacrifice. However, were you writing a, a new story now? I feel like we're sort of post-postmodern where you really do have to think about if you can get away from bloodlines and royalty um, and royal houses and all of this stuff and destiny in that way. It is extremely cliche uh, sort of by this point in the 21st century. I think, I, I mean, I'd be okay with cliche. Like halfway through what you were saying there, I just like I had the thought that I, I've been having with this game um, all the way through playing it and covering it is great ideas, just wonky execution. And I feel like what you're saying is another example of that. That Like there is something there. There's something compelling about that idea, but it's just not all the way there. And I'm, and like Final Fantasy draws so much from like Star Wars and D&D and, all of that i'm i'm totally fine with it kind of playing the classics in terms of story structure but i still expect it to execute um at a standard that because it has done in the past like it, it's managed to to express these ideas really effectively and elegantly and uh, this just this just doesn't but you would you would very quickly you would hope by number 15 that there'd be some sense of kind of uh, improvement and or subversion of the Final Fantasy tropes. Yeah. But it's a giant blamange yeah. of a mess here. There's no, you know, I was watching the, the recent Watchmen series and hearing the creator talk about how to build on the original Watchmen and, and subvert it and work with existing IP and everything. I mean, this is a this is light years behind in terms yeah. of structure and, and um, just how kind of now it feels it feels old-fashioned but also broken because the broken vase idea what i will say to that is that i i I think something that we haven't mentioned is that every time you boot up this game the screen says a final fantasy for fans and first timers so i think maybe part of the reason behind all of that is that they are in fact trying to given that this is the first real mainline Final Fantasy on this set of consoles, and probably the only one, unless they have something really secret push, put away. Um, yeah, so it, I, I think that they are were trying to kind of seize that in some respects, and you know, bringing back all of these ideas that have been explored in previous entries in the series is kind of a way to use what they already had to draw in new people and to you know just kind of have it it's it's a line between fan service and you know using ideas to expose those ideas to a new audience and i don't know that they necessarily pulled it off very well on the fan service side um i guess it depends on what your your perspective on that is but um but i mean like with charlotte having having this as her first uh kind of final fantasy 
complete experience. I, I, I mean, it sounds like it pulls that section off better than it does for maybe the people like mm-hmm. me who played all of them before that. But it's got a, yeah. it's got a number 15 in the title. And very quickly on the point of fan service, obviously my thing is music and game music and you can have all of the old soundtracks on the car as you drive around for the Final Fantasy feels. And then they play right at the end, they play the Final Fantasy theme in this sort of beautifully orchestrated huge thing to try and make me feel those Final Fantasy feelings that you get at the end of the game. And it just didn't. In fact, it made me cross. I was like, don't use that theme if you haven't earned it. And and the, but but what you say about this being someone's first, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. You know, really noble effort to kind of reboot, but they didn't. They held on to all the old stuff and stuck a 15 on the end of it. I mean, um, so I kind of, I, I agree with Leah. I think this worked better for first timers than it might have done for people with a more established background with the series. I mean, I mean, one example of that is my my ex's different reaction to my reaction. Um, he was very disappointed. I was, I have problems with it, but I thought it was a, a really good way of getting me into the series because it wasn't just too much at once. I really could not get to grips with 12, for example. Like I said at the beginning, 10, I managed to get through a couple of hours, but 12 was just very... Even I bounced off 12 the first time. <sighs> yeah, it was too much. And and um, this was, I was playing the PS2 version, so maybe it's better with the, the, the sheen added on top with the Zodiac Age one. But yeah, it just wasn't accessible. 10 had a little bit of that linearity at the beginning that sort of got me into it and the the blitz ball at the beginning to sort of you know be a bit more alluring in a way but and and 15 sort of started as a bit of a fairy tale and that kind of got me into it whereas some of them i get the sense they just jump right in and that's just not that good for brand new people yeah don't play 12 as your first final fantasy it's not a good idea but yeah so i think i think yeah the characterization as we've we've said to just wrap up real weaknesses um and some of them maybe got came off better for other people than they did for others but i i feel like um maybe maybe we're gonna see that first timers had a more positive experience than people with a more established history with the series because maybe we can we're just not as you know we haven't seen better maybe chaos 9001 says I enjoyed this game quite a bit, but I have to say my favourite moment is the end when Noctis shows the picture that is supposed to signify this time with his friends to the love of his life in the next world. It is my (laughs) favourite because instead of a meaningful picture, I chose to use one of the default pictures of Cindy. Awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Showing off his side piece. (laughs) <laughs> uh, this is who I was with while you were dead. Um, right. Um, uh, <laughs> the the visuals, the aesthetic. Um, how how do we feel this game looks? Starting with Charlotte. Yeah, I thought. Well, okay. Stop for a second. I thought it looked great, but this was one of the first PS4 games I think I played, so that's not necessarily a good um, a good. What's the word? Benchmark. I might be a bit biased. Yeah, it's not a good benchmark, exactly. Um, I thought, yeah, the worlds were 
very attractive but i felt like um actually the um the worlds which were the the, the areas which were more built up and like for example the shopping areas in tenebrae were a lot more attractive like tenebrae had a real feeling of being in venice do you mean or... altissia uh you do because tenebrae you never actually go to yeah sorry i mean i mean where the wedding's supposed to happen and it all falls apart fantasy venice um, yeah i thought that was very attractive the the vast expanses of desert uh not so much maybe I don't know, um, but I don't feel like it's the most samey environment I've ever seen, but I don't know if it was the absolute pinnacle of, um, so I play, played it on a PS4 Slim. It's probably not the pinnacle of um, good design that I've seen on a PS4 Slim, but it was really, I thought it was really good. I, I feel like there's there's low lows uh, and decent highs. The low lows being Dave and some other kind of really fallout looking bland nothingness uh and then some of the bases are just they look like a metal gear solid base but half as interesting and obviously with none of the kind of getting into the 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 they're just super super bland and that there's a streak going through the world of of like there's some beautiful fantasy vistas and incredible geometry and then there's just incredible like identikit bland open world kind of almost real world like like you could be having a road trip across America, but with much, much less dramatic and interesting scenery than real world America. So, but that might have been, I kind of chalked that up to another production thing. I remember someone saying something about one of the side quests has a dragon at the end of it that's actually like a stock model from um, from a library of models uh, for for fantasy games that suggested that they really were you know, up against it time-wise. And for me, a lot of the world feels like that, a lot of the character design, side character design. But um, uh, Aranea and a lot of the clothes in this game are really spectacular and wonderful. And that main that main square of insomnia is very kind of striking as well. So there's, there's some really strong work here as well. Man, that food looks great. <laughs> yeah. Aside from the cheese pizza you get with the Royal Edition. Yeah. <laughs> um, um but that, that 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 does anyone else feel like that there's just these like industrial yeah, no, I, 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 bits and train stations that are just kind of like I, nothing I, what what i was yeah. gonna say was my problem with this game is that there's a lack of uh visual cohesion like it doesn't feel like everything in this world feels like it's of a piece um there is stuff that looks great, like um, the I think the vista of like the meteor where the Titan is and all of that stuff looks fantastic. When you actually visit the the more you know built up cities and that that entrance way where you're on like this canal entering the city on the boat, um, that looked amazing. Um, but like I can't get over the fact that you've got this band of anime boys and then they just meet regular people and they just look like people you bump into in London like seriously I'm not like not even joking like they just they just look like people I meet every day 
and that just feels weird to me. And I again, I'm sorry, I, I know I keep doing this, this recording, but I think back to Final Fantasy XII, where like there was a, a palpable sense of culture in um in uh, Rabanasta and 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 the Imperial City mm. and and all of those places. Everyone was wearing the clothes that made sense for that that city, that place. And even though the the main characters are obviously more detailed and more work has gone into them, their choice of attire didn't clash with the choice of attire that everyone else was wearing. And and same with Final Fantasy X, actually. X is a more egregious example of the main characters looking like they've had a lot more work done than the uh, the side characters. Like the 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 uh, the gap between them is much vaster. Um, but again, the, co- the the actual choices involved in the costuming and all of that stuff, it feels more of a piece, whereas it just feels like uh, here's this random puzzle piece that smashed them together, see if that fits. No, it doesn't. Oh, well, move on. Mm. And it's the same as what you're yeah. saying, Tom, with the industrial spaces. They feel like they're from our world. And then we go to this city that feels like from it, it's from Star Wars. And it's like these aren't the same that they can't be smushed together well, it actually feels like the real world because mm. it just looks yeah. like venice but really really nice yeah, and also also um it has a bit of the 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 death stranding thing going on where there's really weird merchandising so like um uh luna freya's wedding dress is designed by vivian westwood apparently vivian westwood exists <laughs> in final fantasy 15 now um but uh, the, this is nothing new because everywhere yeah yeah this is nothing new though because in final fantasy 13 outside of the game not in the game there was um a crossover between final fantasy 13 and louis vuitton for some bizarre reason so this is not new but it's still like strange Weird. to smash yeah. fantasy and real life together in that way and it, and it just doesn't make everything mesh together because if alticia has a vivian westwood star like how does that fit with um other places like niflheim just looking completely out of this world and unimaginably hellish you know mm. and lestalem very very quickly lestalem is this sort of you go there quite a lot, don't you, for quests and there's the market and stuff, but it's just empty yeah. and it's small. And it's, it's, you can compare that to, to, to Final Fantasy 12 because Final Fantasy 12 is just stuffed with people like an MMO or whatever. And Lestalem is just this sort of main location in this big Final Fantasy game and there's just sort of no one there. And there's, I personally don't feel like there's much character to that town at all. And that, that's kind of my takeaway from the whole game if I don't think too hard about it. But, uh, you know, this is two years ago I played this. I can't remember um, every every location or being... But I can remember not being impressed by anything especially. What about the music? Do you know what? The, you, you saying about the cohesion, that that kind of runs throughout almost every aspect of the game for me. The The music is... They've got amazing composers yoko shimamura you know she did street fighter mm. 2 she's been around uh she's a legend um she's the kingdom hearts uh composer uh, series composer and she's done uh lots of other stuff besides i feel like when they brought her on brought her on it's a safe pair of hands and it's nice to have a kind of veteran come on um to continue to fill uematsu's shoes because everyone has to fill uematsu's shoes when you work on final fantasy but as I understand it, interviews I've seen, she completed her stuff quite early on. 
and then the game carried on in development hell um and there's some really good individual tracks there's some big shouty orchestral choral stuff oh and there's some nice guitar stuff which actually uh, uh, some of it's her some of it's some of the other guys and then also for the DLC they they had a murderer's row they got um uh, uh Mitsuda who's the the chrono guy and Uematsu came back for some stuff for comrades and they they just sort of yeah did a a, a, a relay race of, of really great JRPG composers mm, but, lotus juice but the overall really? feeling uh, yeah, is yeah art in DLC neat oh that's very cool the the overall feeling i get though is lacks cohesion and um some of it whilst it sounds modern it's well recorded it's nice it doesn't it doesn't cut through it doesn't stick in my memory that much and i think overall i think there was way more cohesion to say the final fantasy 13 series all three games um and some fantastic pieces there and this i just don't feel that warmly about this and i've you know gone up and down over every final fantasy soundtrack i can get my hands on so I do not remember much of the uh, actual original uh, score for this game because most of the time I was just listening to the tapes that had the scores from the previous games. Oh, that there is that, that and that's the kind of their apology in a way. It's yeah, that's a very weird thing for me. But yeah, I had a more positive experience with the soundtrack, but I feel like. Ultimately, maybe I'm just remembering individual songs rather than any cohesive picture of a soundtrack. Um, I always felt something kind of stirring in me whenever the um, pause, like the menu screen, I thought that music was kind of very relaxing and calming. And also the the um, the campfire sort of little jingle was um, quite funny and, and sort of did relax you quite a bit. Um, also the music changes if once you've completed the game on the menu and that music is, is a very moving piece along with the picture changing, which, um, I thought was very effective. So there's little moments in the, in the soundtrack that really stuck with me, but I don't know if, um, the bigger picture of it really stuck with me very well. I'd say it's sort of a seven out of 10, maybe. Uh, my opinion on the score is that Near Automata came out a year after this and uh, blew it out of the water. <laughs> and for a series that is historically been celebrated for its music, I think it's it's a shame that uh, it was completely blown out of the water um, by uh near automata the next year um uh, and i wish that the mainline final fantasy series had music as great as that game well keichi okabe of monica studio uh did some tracks for one of the final fantasy dlcs he's the composer for near and near automata he's the the genius behind that so i could definitely see him coming on board for a later for a, for a later final fantasy if probably. he's the the com- lead composer for final fantasy 16 i will sit up and pay attention because uh it is <laughs> uh impressive stuff um but like leah i think most of the time i was just listening to favorite tracks from final fantasy 7 6 and 9 because those are the soundtracks that i love um oh and 8 even though i have issues with the the actual game itself, but the soundtrack's brilliant. 
um yeah i i just i just went through um went through those tracks because they're just more memorable and they and they stick in your head more um so we we talked about the the visuals let's talk about the open world the 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 place that we're exploring the most um uh, before the game starts to narrow towards the end um so there there are several methods of uh traversing this landscape um you have the regalia um which uh you manage fuel for so it's not a case of you just drive it around and has infinite fuel you have to refuel it at gas stations um and uh there are in-car events with the characters where you have little casual chats you can customize the regalia um the there's you can upgrade it um into a monster truck which wasn't actually in the original release that's something they added later because uh in its regular car mode it cannot go off road um it can only stick to the roads um and then later on if you complete a side mission you can also unlock a flight mode that lets you uh take to the skies what did we think of the regalia and its kind of integration into the open world starting with charlotte it's a bit of a weird combination of things that it's very fantastical and yet there's a car yeah. that that was kind of <laughs> took a little bit of getting used to but um by the time i got used to it it was like neither here i, di- I didn't really care for it that much but it was all right um and as i say i think having the just just it was a really good bonding moment at the beginning to see like these guys on a road trip and their cars broken down it was just kind of a very uh, it kind of set the tone that that even though they are royalty and members of the 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 uh, royal court they are just like young guys whose vehicles broke down on the side of the motorway i don't know um so that was kind of effective but as to the car itself and traversing around the world i wasn't too fussed about it but i didn't hate it i don't know it's kind of meh. For me, it kind of struck a, a, a nice balance between fast travel and not fast travel, basically, because mm. you can pick where you want the car to go and it will just take you there. Like, I, I, I think that, um, I think that I like that a little bit more than just immediately warping to a location because you do get to see the scenery and you do get to have those kind of conversations between uh, the characters and you can stop at different places to take photos or to if you find a, a side quest just out in the open, you can stop and do that. Uh, but you don't necessarily have to be driving yourself down the road. You can you can set that part on auto if you like. But of course, chocobos <laughs> are better. Because Mr. Feathers. <laughs> did, it's, did anyone else find it weird that the the card sort of stuck to the road? I don't know, like playing Forza Horizon 4 and I can barely stay on the road in that game. I'm just like plowing through walls and sheep and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> um, and I just found the, the car quite fiddly. I kind of like that they tried it. And I see the compromises they would have had to make systems-wise to make it work with the pacing and um, going to different missions and and doing battles in the open world and stuff. But overall, it left me a little bit cold um, because you just kind of want to drive everywhere. And there comes a point in open world games where you just want to go direct to the thing and you don't care if you have to go 
in a, you know, as the crow flies and, and fall off a cliff or something, you're happy to try it and see if the game will let you do that. With this, it's it, there's a weird empty feeling to the world that actually this ends up exacerbating. Um, I remember a, a moment in, in Grand Theft Auto 4 when I realised you could sit in the back of a cab and just look out the window and watch this amazing city go by and people going about their day and doing things and the density of the city. And that was a PlayStation 3 game. Uh, um, but just sitting, kind of watching the world go by, it's just like, there's, there's, it's just quite yeah. empty. I think I, I um, and I'm going to use this to uh, segue into Chocobo. So uh, don't worry, Leah, we're getting onto that. Um, All right, um, I'm ready. But um, I think something that's key for open world games is that traversing the world needs to be as fun as anything else you do in the game. Like, I think about my favorite examples of open world games. Like, Breath of the Wild immediately comes to mind, and like every method of traversing the world, whether it be climbing cliffs, going on horseback, uh, surfboard. Uh, not surfboarding, snowboarding, down mountains on your shield, uh, paragliding, all of that. It just gives you so many fun ways to traverse um, the world. Um, and Red Dead Redemption 2 as well. I love the horseback riding in that. And um, just, yeah, you've and Spider-Man is almost like the ultimate example for me because web slinging is just such a joy that it's almost the, the most fun that you, you have in that game. Um, whereas this driving is like really dull and I get that I get the idea and, um, like it's a good, uh, facilitator for that kind of randomly occur. Well, not, not truly random, but it feels like occasionally like a character will just lean back and go, Hey, can we check this out? And it's a good like vehicle, <laughs> uh, vehicle for that kind of, uh, interaction. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, just for the most most of the experience is really dull unlike um renting a chocobo and riding a chocobo yeah. around and flying and gliding through the air and having a fun old time with mr feathers leah what do you think of the chocobos in final fantasy 15 i love them <laughs> um yeah chocobo i just i just i enjoy the chocobos because they are not just the uh a mode of transportation um you can also uh race them if you like they will fight for you which i love <laughs> um so yeah if you the more you ride chocobos the better their kind of side stuff will get and um they can give your party bonuses they can actually aid you in battles um and you know the the uh, of, obviously, I have uh, a Max Link with um, Mr. Feathers, my my white chocobo, uh, and um, he is uh, my best friend who will kick things in the face uh, and do Link attacks with me uh, when he uh, when he's around. So um, yeah, I enjoy the chocobos. I, it's a silly thing, but I I really like them. <laughs> It's important that those fun Final Fantasy things work because if you didn't have that and you've got this very kind of fairly drab looking realistic world, you know, what have you got if you don't have those fun Final Fantasy bits? I mean, they if you 
I, I think that most Final Fantasy games, I, I, I won't say all because I might be forgetting, but um, most Final, Fan- Final Fantasy games have um, some kind of Chocobo appearance in them. Um, and it, it didn't have to be quite that detailed, I guess. Like, you, you, didn't, you didn't have to, you know, have that whole link system with them, and you didn't have to be able to customize them or name them or anything like that. Um, but uh, I, I just like that they did that instead of just kind of popping them in there and saying, oh, well, they'll take you from place to place, yeah. but that's it. Um, I have to say, right, so my partner, Kat, who uh, will watch me play games, occasionally um hates this game uh more than i do uh for reasons that have been expressed on this podcast um but there was a point when riding a chocobo um that i leveled up the chocobo stats and i realized that i had unlocked the ability to drift with my chocobo and i started doing (laughs) sweet sweet drifts on my chocobo and Kat said to me, right, this is the one good thing in this game. <laughs> um, what was your Chocobo's name? Uh, I think I just called it Phil. I can't remember. I, Phil? Okay. I always Dave. I always call horses and games Phil for some reason. It just seems like... And Chocobo is just like a glorified horse. Um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Charlotte, do you have any feelings on Chocobo's? Not really. I think the problem with this game is um, I kind of just want to see the story through. I think if I did New Game Plus, I'd definitely um, explore doing more stuff with the Chocobos. But yeah, I didn't really do it on the my, my first playthrough. Remind me, Final Fantasy Thirteen. you see Chocobos, but you don't really have much of a chance to ride on a Chocobo, right? I don't think so. Yeah, I've not really got much of a... I can understand why people love Chocobos, but I haven't built that um, connection up just yet. The, the, these are some top quality Chocobos. I, I honestly, for all the mm. uh, things I've criticised in this game, I think that the Chocobos in this would rank very highly in the list of Chocobos in the series. Doesn't the doesn't thirteen two have a, a sort of heavy metal Chocobo that's like? <laughs> metal gray or something or am i misremembering i played it can't remember <laughs> yeah, one of the games does <laughs> all i'll say is that fat chocobo yeah. is the best chocobo um yeah, fat yeah. actually no wait a second i forgot there's like baby baby chocobos in this game yeah there's there's all baby chocobo chicks they're yeah so cute. <laughs> they're so cute <laughs> uh they're like like they're just like obese chickens it's great um yeah they're they're I, i'm looking at a picture of one right now they're they're, they're just very cute. absolute units i love them um, <laughs> um so moving on to um part of the uh the uh open world is kind of engaging with these light life sim-esque uh, mechanics so uh, for example, in order to actually uh, level up your characters, you have to rest at either a campsite or a hotel or uh, end a chapter. But for for the most part, you're you're resting to, in order to up you know upgrade your characters. Um, but also in doing so, you are recovering some of your vitality. So your actual health bar during combat. Not only will you lose health, but um, the health bar itself will reduce in size, and um, 
you can recover it in other ways, but the most effective way to recover that is uh, by resting at these campsites. And then in the morning, Ignis will uh, cook up one of his recipes, and uh, uh, those uh, <laughs> meals will apply uh, bonuses um, uh, depending on what meal you have to your party. What do we feel about this? Um, this kind of because they're all like the the whole tent, you know, resting up your party. That's not new, but this feels like an expanding of this idea and kind of finding more uh, more ways to explore that that system's importance. I liked it. Um, I, I, it's, it's nice that you get the option to, and you do have to have ingredients and recipes. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm Cartmaning this um, recipe. Um, but yeah, I. <laughs> You do have to have the the necessary um, prerequisites, I guess, to uh, to cook various things. But once you do, there are some extremely useful bonuses that you can, uh, especially when you start doing like later game. If you get into the hunts, like I did, um, it, it's very useful for that kind of thing to be able to you know jack your attack up by X amount or to give yourself a resistance to fire or whatever. Don't they under undercut them? I don't they undercut themselves uh, it's it's a it's a great idea I think having the you know making the the camping and making the inns and the hotels more meaningful to the systems of the game kind of brings them into focus in a nice way but don't they undercut themselves by giving too big an XP boost at some of the hotels I can't I can't quite remember exactly clearly but it's actually the the sleeping out in the wild or camping is um, much less Generally speaking, I'm sure the buff stuff uh, it, it changes, but the hotels do give big boosts. Yeah, they do, but also I think they're pretty expensive. I don't, I don't actually remember, uh, but early game in particular. Also, you know, you you have to be in a town and get to one of those places, which is not necessarily a, a, a huge uh, issue. But I they they balance it out a little bit that way. But um, yeah, I, it's. I, I didn't hate that part of it. For for me, like I what I thought you were gonna say, Tom, and I was surprised you, you, you went in a different direction with it. Um for me they undercut it by how linear the game becomes towards the end. Like at a certain point they're just kind of putting camps and places to sleep <laughs> along the corridor towards your final destination, and then suddenly that system doesn't feel as meaningful anymore. Whereas when you're in a big open world and you're kind of traveling from place to place, is you know, as the sun goes down, it makes it up, oh, right, the sun's going down, the harder monsters are coming out. Let's let's stop here, let's have a let's have a chat, let's have a food by the fire and, and uh, we'll rest up for morning. That feels more organic and more like it feels mm. like it feels of a piece with like what they're doing with the open world. But the moment that mm. ceases to be a driving force of the game, you're suddenly stuck with this weird system that doesn't doesn't feel uh, natural anymore. Oh, so yeah, that's true. If you are if you are in a hotel, you don't get the opportunity to cook something. No, that's do you? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's correct. No, yeah, yeah I I quite liked the cooking um, side of things because um, it just I don't know. I like cooking mechanics and games quite a lot. And um, it really sort of did do a little bit of world building, I thought, because it's like um, Ignis's role was in part as sort of the wise one, but also as the cook. 
and uh, this idea that I don't know there was something quite entertaining about whenever they had a, a really fast meal like a, a, a cup noodle or something because it's just so unkingly unprincely to eat some fast food same with like the cheese pizza um but also it was kind of funny whenever that he did cook something elaborate like how is he doing this on a campfire but at the same time it's like if a king or a prince was traveling about then of course he would eat regal food so it did it did kind of add a little touch of something nice though not nice enough for me to collect all the dishes which is probably again something i would do in new game plus it gets to it gets to the better game here what could have been a really special um game that that took the series forward that ignis's character when they introduce him and even if you go back to the anime series that he's looking after noct he's like his you know bossy uh, fastidious organized flatmate or whatever who who ends up doing ever who ends up doing everything just because noctis can't be bothered or is, feels like he's too important but that's a nice character trait and it's an interesting way for noct to um you know his relationship with ignis and their sort of seniority levels between them and, and trust and respect and and it's a source of humor you know the fact it's one of the meme things is recipe you know it, that's that's one of the warmest things and funny things about the game which is why charming but messy for me sums up the whole game in some ways and the fact that prom- mm-hmm. prompto with the photo system you know they, they don't have a photo mode in this or at least last time i checked they didn't have it when i played it but that he would take shots throughout the day and then you check them when you when you sleep at the campfire that's a really nice touch it's a really nice system and idea um it's it helps make you feel warmer towards these characters and the game in general and the fact that they've tied it to prompto and that's his thing Mm. that kind of um uh, fitting the characters in and their personalities with systems in the game and then knitting that together and then you know near the end with the where the photo the last campfire and the photo comes up near the end those are really good choices really smart choices and i feel like a a better game would have been built around that idea more the boy band road trip and then more of that yeah. stuff i feel like prompto's instagram has got to be like the worst <laughs> <laughs> most most of the composition of his shots is terrible as well it's just uh... every once in a while though you will get one that just is yeah. really cool but, but I, that's, I, that's doesn't that's he fun. get better though doesn't he level up his photo taking skills I, or am i, I mean, imagining that no, i, I think, think they right. mix in because it's a, the obviously some of it is well yeah some of some of them yeah are yeah staged. that's I yeah mean, well some staged. of them are actually properly yeah. random and some of them feel like okay that's scripted um and you get you can get him an ability uh, that allows you to command him to take a picture in battle. Oh, I, really? I don't 100% mm, yeah. know why you would want to do that, but uh, you can. Um, also, before I forget, and uh, you you get added on Twitter, Tom, there is a photo mode in, uh, the, in the game now. It was one of the things that uh, was added later on. Um... <laughs> well, they should have finished the game in the first <laughs> yeah. flipping place. I mean... Um... But then how late was it introduced? Because I feel like it took a little while for photo mode to really hit popularity, like with Assassin's Assassin's Creed Odyssey yeah. had one, right? Like and, with Uncharted um, 4, which came out earlier in 2016. Oh, okay. Or, or, I, I, or The I Last of Us Remastered, which came out in 
2014 oh, or something. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think, or indeed, okay, Gran, yeah, Gran Turismo <laughs> 3 on the PlayStation 2. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 the, the photo mode craze was definitely in, in full swing. So I think it. I think the reason why they put it in was because everyone was like, "Wait, you've got a character that takes photos, and I can't take photos." It's like, uh, okay, I see your point. I quite like. I like. Yeah, but I like. I say, I, I like that being a character. Yeah, yeah. I prefer that. It's not a game I, I particularly want to take not... photos of. It's not that good looking a game. <laughs> but the, the fact that it's a mechanic within the game and it 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 gives meaning to the it gives more meaning to the day night cycle. And these friends bonding—that really works for me, actually. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge photo mode person, um, but I, I like. I like how they they incorporated that with Prompto's character. How how many of you spent time fishing? I did, but that was <laughs> it. Was a hundred percent for the platinum trophy um, because it's it's monotonous and i did not actually like it as an activity that much but i did spend a lot of time doing it how um how often does it pay off in terms of you being able to use specific fish for for uh, dishes or is- uh i mean sometimes as i recall uh i i honestly don't remember what what kind of fishing i had to do for the platinum i think i just had to level it up all the way and then like maybe catch a specific fish for a quest or something but um yeah i mean that's that's one of the that's pretty much the only good thing that you get out of fishing is that then ignis can get them it's not really like a a very princely sort of pastime is it i I can't think of (laughs) any um i'm sure uh prince harry and prince william didn't spend a lot of their time fishing yeah. i you'd you'd expect him to just go like fox hunting or something instead uh <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i so noctis's uh fishing level starts out at one at the beginning of the game and by the end of my game it was still one uh because i fished <laughs> once in the whole game and never again i, th- I think i might be there with you yeah, yeah. I feel like it's funny to think of Noctis as, as a, maybe like his dad was like at some point, oh, you need to go fishing, it's character building, and then he just can't be bothered the entire game. Just like, oh, dad. Like pretty much the entire game, it feels like Noctis is in the back of his head going, oh, dad, yeah. even when his dad's dead. And then they did a whole spinoff of the, the VR thing, I, which I have not played, so I, I'm not 100% sure that this is what it is, but the, the Monster of the Deep, that's at least part fishing right yeah. like that's yep. what that is yeah yeah so somebody thought that that was an awesome idea um i'm going to read this post from the month i'm just going to start and say that the cup noodle mission was the best one and final fantasy 15 should have hammed it up more often like that but yeah the only final fantasy game i finished to this day and it was mostly good except the end, but everyone says that. More than the plot, I was always excited for Ignis to say his recipe line. The actual combat was a bit awful, though, since all the fights were basically consequenceless if you bought 99 potions. So um, DeMonth mentioned one of my favourite side missions in the game. I think Less so the actual things that you do, but the whole framing of the ultimate cup noodle as a just a theme for a mission was just really quirky and funny. 
and just like going into this monstrous bird's nest to try and get this giant egg and just the logistics of getting that egg back down again uh it just boggles the mind are there any standouts for you in terms of side quests that you did during final fantasy 15 i got pretty into the hunts um which are exactly what they sound like you you receive uh usually from like diners or from other um tipsters i believe they're called um who will tell you hey there's this hunt go get this thing and sometimes they have specific like it'll only show up at a certain time of day or it'll only show up um you know if it's raining or whatever um but i I don't know. I I enjoyed that, uh, and also finding the royal arms. Uh, I liked doing that too, uh, because it became very useful. There's a there's a just a giant kind of meh from me on side quests, as I recall. And you know, I played this after The Witcher Three, which is a big problem for this yeah. game because there are some. There, there is at least three um, basic quest givers. There's like the dude, the photograph dude in Lestalem, uh, the editor of the newspaper or something. There's the dude with the horrendous accent in the in the the beachy place that makes no sense. You've got to run all the way to the end of the thing to to just deliver whatever it is that he was asking for, and then run all the way back. And then Dave, good old Dave. And I just remember thinking <laughs> when I was playing them after having played The Witcher Three, I was thinking this is this is atrocious, just so backward design. It's not fun. Um, and I know that there's like super interesting kind of fight, like weird dungeons that you have to fly to with crazy puzzles, kind of like a Destiny raid, like this almost like this rumor you hear and then you check it out and then it's it blows your mind. But that was so far off the beaten path. And the the some of the side quests were so rote and so um, cliche for a JRPG trophy for 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 use of the word you know collect ten of this or whatever I can't even remember properly but the fact that I can't remember and the fact that I know I felt cross about it really cross about it and I have completed some Final Fantasy games I have done some terrible side quests and these it felt like the pits to me I think and and when I was playing it in twenty seventeen certainly. I I did like uh, just because I'm a big fan of get a cool honking new weapon uh, type quests. I did like engaging with the royal arms kind of uh, mini temples dungeons, probably a better word for it. Um, just because I liked collecting all those fancy weapons and swords and stuff, so I liked doing those. I thought the photo ops were fun. Um, the hunts were great for getting experience and and uh, resources and stuff like that, but everything else I kind of ignored. Yeah, I didn't do much side quest stuff at all, and I don't like my 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 opinion of the game seems to be quite positive compared to the um, other panelists. But I just didn't feel compelled to do side quest stuff. But to be fair, I very rarely do feel compelled to do side quest stuff in games usually i'd rather just um stick to the meat of what's going on so i don't think that's the particularly um that's sort of not really um anything to do with the game itself i guess um but then they were quite generic so i think if they'd have been a bit more standout i would have wanted to do more of them 
and to be fair, from what I have heard, with the possible exception of the Royal Arms stuff, you don't really need to do any of the side quests. Like the the, the no. rewards are the rewards are nice, but they're not significant enough that it's going to really change much of what you get and what you do. Yeah, I didn't feel that way. Like I um I did have a lot of difficulty in chapter 13 um until I played the new version of chapter 13. And maybe one of the there was one um boss battle, but I can't quite uh, it's a big fire boss. That's all I remember of it. This is some some of the stuff in here is really just didn't leave me with any lasting memories, unfortunately. Um, I had a bit of difficulty and felt underleveled at those stages, but really, I'd, I it was very rare that I felt like the fact I didn't go off and do side quest stuff bit me in the bum. Really, it just it felt like optional. I and I I think. Unfortunately, uh, this leads us into the combat system. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the boss fights and the battles, I think, can just be brute forced through um, just by having a mm. lot of items. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you yeah. Could- yeah. I remember it- that is how I did the, the last fight is a very large turtle. Um, and it took me like an hour to kill him, not because I was having trouble with him, but just because he had so much health that I just kind of had to hold the button in. And then if he ever actually hit me, just take a take an elixir or whatever. I, I remember being there's a there's a mission in a base, one of the incredibly bland looking military bases. And there's some super hard robots right at the end, the final fight. And I remember it's everyone else is dead it's just noctis i'm kind of cheesing the heck out of it i'm on the like the last sliver of health and i keep managing to come back from the dead and just chip these guys just a tiny bit and i was i remember thinking to myself can i actually die in this game what is the challenge you can but it's difficult and the the only punishment for having essentially lost the fight and going to chip my way through to beat it is just we're going to take your fun away but but I don't know that the, the combat was ever really that fun. You know, it's quite slick and, and but it can feel messy. But the, the fact that the stakes mm. of the combat r- really weren't there for me, I don't think, especially not after that. When I realized I could cheese it in that way, everything else, you know, nothing seemed to, to concern me that greatly. I will stick up for the, the, the combat a little. It is simplistic in a lot of ways, but I also thought that that lent it to being able to do things like link attacks with your party members and to give your party members additional commands and have them do uh, special actions while you were in battle. If mm. the combat itself had been more complex uh, or or more difficult for what uh, your controllable character, who is uh, Noctis by default, but uh, I believe the Royal Edition added the ability to switch to different um, uh, different characters if you so choose. Um, Hi there, opening. I, yeah. Over and over and um, over and over. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you all you really are going to do is hold down the button, yes. Uh, but also since you are not having to do a ton there, you can manage the rest of your party as well without it turning into a completely turn-based thing. Mm, Though I think I quite liked how simplistic it was in a way, but I think this is because of another failure, which was that I felt like often there was so much going on on screen that I lost track of what I was doing. 
I just don't think the game was designed super well for uh, to be an action-based RPG. I feel like I might have enjoyed it a bit more if it was turn-based. It, it was just too much was going on and often I felt like I was just mashing and like just hoping just eventually something would happen and I'd win, but sometimes I wouldn't know. And as I, as I went through the game, I got better at like actually engaging with the combat and using strategies and getting my team members to, to do certain moves. Um, but still, I feel like um, it wasn't very well choreographed, really. It was, the mm. fights were yeah. very messy. There's, there was uh, there was some weird boss battles as well. I seem to remember the Le- Leviathan one where Noctis is just sort of flying through the air and also the final Arden fight where I couldn't quite work out what I was supposed to press. So I just have this insane spectacle going on and this you know crazy music going and the choir shrieking at me i'm just like floating around like what am i supposed to do here some of these set pieces um, square button repeatedly (laughs) sure but i I don't know why i don't know why i was being dim about it at the time but i definitely felt like some of the on the ground you know just general battles out in the open world were the most fun i had with the system and like you say linking with other team members was was fun despite those voice um clips repeating over and over and over again every time you do the same move but then beyond that i can't remember using i can't remember finding the opportunity to use the royal arms much and the summons i don't i think i only ever use one once in the whole game i know that there are more and i maybe had access to them and they sort of turned up randomly but that that completely passed me by as well so i i feel like that does happen in final fantasy games there are combat systems that you can just skip entirely but um in this it lent to an overall air of of just sort of messiness and an incompleteness yeah for all like okay i'm going to say something controversial here because I, I think a lot of people don't agree with this but i really did quite like the um the paradigm shifting system in Final Fantasy 13 and i've played a little bit of 13 too since i recorded that podcast and they've really um seemed to have polished that from 13 um and i really liked that sort of there is action going on because i said turn-based earlier and i don't think that's that's actually quite right like i like when there's some action like the active time battle system of the older games like that sort of element that was in 13 kind of like setting up an action queue almost yeah exactly that is that is good i like that um and like action-based rpgs i've played them before jrpgs i've played them before um i really like um you would class nino kuni 2 as an action-based rpg yes yeah yeah and um the tales games i've played a couple of those but here it just this it's just because it's like um there's just so much going on i just felt swamped a lot of the time it just didn't seem to fit together for me um, and it was fun, but I didn't feel like I had any skill in what I was doing. Mm. That's the thing. Whereas I think if it had been more of a... With paradigm shifting, I felt like I was really having to think on my feet. Whereas with 15, it was just cheesing everything, like like you said. Yeah, so like I I also prefer the, the, the paradigm system. I think my, my problem with... 13 is more that it just takes so long before it actually lets go of your hand and actually yo yo let me let me pitch you this final fantasy 13 2 is that combat system but with pokemon in it also and And also there is no 25 hour tutorial yeah look 
Second look, when we do the spin-offs, I'll play Final Fantasy Thirteen too. Because <laughs> uh, I, I do genuinely once once it's off the the rail the linear railroad, like I like that combat system. Like I think there is depth there. Yeah, they just give it they just give it to you right off yeah. of that in thirteen two, which is nice. Um, which sounds great. Um and with this combat system, it feels like they, they do let you just go with it much, much earlier, but there's less depth to it overall. Um, it's just kind of fun um, with the regular enemies, I should say. Um, I like, I, you know, warp striking around was cool. I actually like the Royal Arms quite a lot. The, they all feel very different in terms of weight and speed. Um, but like like for me like the the big the nadir of the game in terms of uh just pure interactivity for me was the leviathan boss battle which you referred to earlier tom because yeah. on what's happening on screen is so impossibly big and huge and epic and it looks it it looks cool and but what you're actually doing is holding down the circle button. That's like that is the beginning and end of what I am actually engaging with uh with the game. Like all this, you know, beautiful visuals and the inter the actual interaction is completely shallow. And there are a couple of moments like that in the game where they have these grand scale boss battles. And it's just like not challenging the systems that that they that they even have in place. Like, and I can't help but think of um, Monster Hunter, um, The Witcher Three, um, several other action um, RPGs that have been released in recent years that handle big monsters so much more elegantly, but also. The the moments of joy, the moments of oh my god, that's so cool, actually come from player choices rather than just this super scripted visual spectacle. And I just like I I just could not be impressed with those large scale monsters because it w- it might as well have been a cutscene for all the gameplay I, that was actually going on in those moments. I I had a note from the that that I scribbled at the time that I did I really didn't enjoy the the Titan the um the earth big yeah. dude fight either for the same reason. But we I feel a bit this is a silly silly thing to feel, but I feel a bit sorry for the developers of this game because we know that they had this kind of big Altissia um set piece in mind from a long time ago don't we from the sort of earlier trailers um i think it was before it was even 15 or it might have been the trailer where they said okay now this is final fantasy 15 and they kind of show noctis but then they get to the uh episode duske and they're kind of asking fans to help them make the game in a kind of early access way with the questionnaire which on the one hand seems like oh they'd be very open about it on the other hand seems like uh did they not know what they're what they're making and then the platinum demo came out and it had a sort of very stripped back kind of kingdom heartsy version of what the combat would eventually be i remember thinking that really not being impressed by that 
So they had all that time from knowing there was this big Leviathan set piece and then this is what they ended up with. I I do feel sorry for whatever must have happened to get this game out the door to then have, you know, squandered some of these big moments um seemingly unless it was a deliberate decision and saying look we want people to finish this game and get past this bit you know we don't want to have them to have to do anything super complex let's just have them hold the button we've been telling them to hold for the rest of the game uh there's also a magic system in this game but it's a bit of a unique approach uh you have limited charges there are like magic charge points where you just collect fire essence and and ice essence and lightning essence and you can craft magic using that essence so you can either just uh go all the way lightning and just create a normal lightning spell or that or you can mix them together in certain ways to create different kinds of spells uh, more powerful versions of the standard lightning and fire as well how much did we engage with this? Because just speaking personally, I kind of ended up not using it. The problem with the magic for me was that friendly fire is on. So if you are using the more powerful attacks, then you have to be careful to not kill your party, um, which, I mean, is a trade-off that I, I know they intended, but I did not care for it myself. So I did not use magic very much at all. Yeah, I think I used it occasionally. Yeah, I think I used everything in my arsenal pretty evenly, but I just still still didn't feel like any of it had much weight, really. I, I can remember being in a menu screen and being very confused about how to make spells and actually having a tiny bit of fun figuring that out and then having zero fun using the spells and just stop using them. Um... Did we talk about techniques already? Sorry, edit point, Jay. Uh, kind of in passing. Okay, I'll introduce Ascension and techniques and we can talk about it in more detail. Um, so uh, there's also Ascension, which is basically how you uh, level up stats and acquire skills for the characters. And you can also... Uh, level up the techniques which we've mentioned briefly before which are unique abilities for your party members that can either apply status uh, effects to the enemies yourself or just you know in gladio's case just completely wreck shop um Mm -hmm. how did we how did we feel about this approach you know we've had the sphere grid we've had the license board in the past how did we feel about this approach to leveling up characters? And also, how did we feel about the techniques as a way of uh, controlling the other party members? Well, it's kind of a simplified... The Ascension... I don't even know what it's called. The grid? The, whatever. The the Ascension system um, is kind of just a simplified version of things like the sphere grid and the license board. Uh, and as such, I mean, it's it's fine. It's uh, You get points that you funnel into whatever you want, and that's it. You, you don't have to have specific types of spheres, or, I, I, I mean, I guess it's closer to the license board in that way, but it doesn't have as many options. Um, yeah, I mean, it's fine. It works. It's, uh, you, you can specialize in whatever you like, and then you can use uh some of the i found some of the uh the um 
abilities that you get for for your uh, party members to be extremely useful, and that's something that uh, makes the combat, like I said before, a, a little bit more interactive uh, than just holding down the the square button. That's where a little bit of the complexity, and it's it's not the most complex thing, even when you add those in, obviously. But uh, I I thought that that kind of spiced it up a little bit. It it feels um, that that grid feels, but it's un- Final Fantasy's been working towards you know the sphere grid for for however many games across the series that you could pretty much say is an RPG as the as the classic JRPG and RPG generally in gaming that that they stake a claim to having you know refined it over the over the ages, but here it uh, it felt like. Oh, it's just like that other AAA game I've just played. Yeah. Like a Shadow of Mordor or Witcher 3 or something like that. And so it felt a lot less special. Um, but then I don't know what they could have done to kind of if they if they'd done some really ambitious thing like the license board or the or the sphere grid or or, or material or going back. Again, if they're making this for new Final Fantasy players as well as old ones, then then you do have to make some concessions and compromises and simplifications and clarifications and maybe that's for the best for the overall smoothness of the game but of course if you make something smooth sometimes you make it less memorable you see um so as i've said before i played final fantasy 13 a little bit before i started final fantasy 15 and then i finished it after final fantasy 15 and the crystarium in 13 was a lot more memorable than the system in 15 because it had um the sort of whenever you move from point to point i, I remember with the chris i remember the crystarium so well because it felt like there was a pull when you went from point to point and it really felt like you were doing something whereas i just don't i can't even remember what it was like in 15 whereas the crystarium is it's very ethereal and very um you know individual music for every single crystal uh, tower that you opened up for the different characters. I don't know. I can't explain why. And I'm actually probably going to end up gushing more about Final Fantasy 13 than I did on the 13 <laughs> podcast. But it, it just felt more memorable in that game. I, I can't even remember what it was like in 15 because I didn't even, I didn't think this would come up, but it's, I just can't, I can't even picture it. I remember seeing what the level of my characters was when I started New Game Plus um, a couple, about a week ago. But I, I, how I got there, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, as we've mentioned all throughout the podcast, um, there were some changes post-release. Um, uh, I'm going to rattle through uh, a lot of these, but there's a big uh, change that was much discussed that I think we should camp out on for a little bit. So... Um, being able to switch between Noctus, uh, Gladio, Ignis, and Prompto in battle was added post-release. The Regalia Type D that lets you go off-road and just monster truck your way over the uh, wildlife and uh, destroy everything uh, uh, is uh, an addition post-release. The bestiary, bestiary and the data log were post-release, which seems crazy. Oh uh, new cutscenes were added to Chapter 5 and uh, Chapter 12. Uh, and that's the embarrassing one, because they just shoved stuff from the 
as I recall, they shoved stuff from the film yeah, in there. Yeah. And then didn't fix the, the overall dramatic kind of flow yeah, of it. Exactly. Um you were given the option to wait until morning or evening at camp. Uh, timed quests were added, um, which uh, gave you a specific kind of currency that you could spend on stuff that you'd never want to get. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, you could select 10 hunts at once. Um, I'm not sure what the uh, limit was previously, but um, uh, I'm free? Three? Yeah, oh, that yeah. seems... Five? I don't. I don't remember. Yeah. It was low. Uh, they added a chat to select, so you can actually play the game at any point um, after you finish the chapter. Um, but the big one, um, and this is the one I think we should discuss for a little bit, is they added an entirely alternate version of Chapter Thirteen, where you play as Gladio uh, instead of Noctis, due to, I think it's fair to say largely negative reaction to uh, Chapter 13 <laughs> in its original state. Um, now, I came to Final Fantasy fifteen as I've said previously, very, very late. I completed it for this recording. Um, so given the choice, uh, I wasn't going to choose the much maligned version of Chapter 13 that everyone complained about. I, I chose Gladio. And the way that this uh, panned out for me uh, was, um, and I imagine the mechanics for Gladio are pretty much the same as the DLC chapter for him. Um, I haven't played the DLC, so I'm not sure on that one. Um, but it's just, you know, action combat, and Gladio has some unique uh, systems. Like, he does more damage um the more he he the more he engages with enemies and uh, the less hits he takes it's, it kind of feels like a devil may cry kind of combo meter type thing um and um that's fun um but uh it's not the stealth nightmare that chapter 13 is if you play it normally uh -huh. Do you know when they mm. added in the choice? Because I have a weird feeling I had the choice and chose Noctis. <laughs> it was, so the first time I played it, you had no choice. You had to play the old one and then I got stuck. So I left it and I started playing it again after I discovered that they'd patched it. So that must have been, oh gosh. It it was um, it, it was relatively recent. Uh, not recent. Sorry, it was relatively uh, quickly after release, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't think that quickly. I it mean, was, compared to um... the uh, Arden uh, DLC, it was pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and maybe yeah, March two thousand seventeen. It's okay. looking like yeah, that that. So I would have had the choice, yeah. yeah. And then I don't remember playing as Gladio, so my bad. Yeah, I, I, the option did not exist when I played it, uh, and I don't remember hating Chapter Thirteen, but I don't. I, I, I let me. I'll, I'll say this: I don't remember hating it as much as many people seemed to have. Um, but I, I'm in my uh, playthrough now, my new game plus playthrough. I will definitely be playing the the Gladio version. I felt like I was forewarned, though. I feel like that was an advantage of waiting and reading the reviews and holding off as long as I did, even though it sounds like I should have held off longer. 
<clears throat> for any of those episodes to come out. But but yeah, it wasn't that bad. But then I knew it was. I knew it had a terrible reputation, and it was fine. You know, I played through some pretty bad AAA gunk levels before, so it didn't feel any worse than those. It just it felt felt like it went on way too long, and then. Um... Yeah, I, I I got stuck on a random um, enemy that was not supposed to be a significant enemy, but was so overleveled that I just couldn't get past him. And I think the idea was that I was supposed to stealth go stealth past him, but I don't want to do stealth in that sort of game. It, I just didn't. I was very glad that I could pick a, a, another route that would just skip all of that. It was just it was it was tedious. And I was willing to go through it, but when I got stuck, I was like, nope, putting this game down and not going back to it until. Well, I didn't even know at that time that it was going to be fixed, but I, I thought that was the it for the game for me right towards the end. Wow, so it actually put it. you off the whole game? I just couldn't get past it. So I thought, and it's, it wasn't something that I could cheese or force my way past because I just could not, I just kept engaging this enemy. But um, yeah, when I found out they'd fixed it, I was kind of, I was really taken aback, but I was like, okay, then I'll... I'll I'll skip this chapter, uh, this part of the chapter, and do it a different way then. We have another post from Heavener. Um, they say, I bought uh, Final Fantasy XV at release and played it right away. Back then, you couldn't drive off the main roads with the regalia. You couldn't control any other party member besides Noctis, and story aspects were missing. So you had no idea why Ignis suddenly had a scar over one of his eyes after some story events. With all the updates this game has received, I feel like it's almost a different game altogether. On the one hand, I'm happy that I can replay it and experience many new things. On the other hand, I'm frustrated all of this wasn't in there from the beginning. Because Final Fantasy XV is a long game. It's a time commitment especially when you have a huge backlog. I intend to replay it, but somehow the time this would require has put me off. Nowadays, I barely replay games. Feels like a waste of time when I have over 200 other games I still need to play for the first time. I mean, look, he, yeah, that's, a, that's how I feel, right? I, <clears throat> when I knew I was going to be on this show, the thought crossed me, like flickered, tiny off like through my mind am i going to play it again i was like no no because i'm so far behind all the other fantastic games i've got on my shelf let alone the ones that i want to play that i don't yet have just interesting amazing wonderful games polished and experimental and all over the place and 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 this has come from a final fantasy series fan fairly hardcore to, to just not want to go back and re-experience re this game. And I even picked up and played a few hours of Final Fantasy XIII for that podcast. Um, and I, you know, didn't hate it, though it wasn't great. Um, but but yeah, the thought of... It just makes me, uh, you know, feel entitled in a way, but just mad in a way that's like... I, I can understand the economics of it and the AAA production and the trouble they must have had and why you sell DLC and all of this. But as a series fan, it does feel like a, a teeny bit of a betrayal that that really hardcore fans would have been there day one and got so much less of an experience. And there were going to be more episodes after Arden that got cancelled. Um, that feels 
very strange to me and it, you know makes you a little bit worried for final fantasy 7 remake and this whole kind of very vague plan to split that that up as well so we've touched on the dlc um throughout um so the the dlc includes episode gladius episode prompto episode ignis episode arden i feel like we've kind of covered arden and our feelings on that one um but any any more thoughts that you want to discuss about the the episodes of our favorite problematic bachelors what i will say is that i liked that each of the episodes had a slightly different play style to it uh not even slightly i mean they they have different play styles to them uh which was nice i don't know um about arden because i have not yet played that but um it it's you know it's fitting stuff you know gladio has his beat-em-up type things um and then yeah it's it's just it, it felt fitting to the characters yeah i i think um my favorite was possibly the prompto one just because playing around with guns was quite novel um gladius was a really odd one i almost felt like they were mocking dark souls because it was a lot there was a lot of parallels between like defeating these big enemies with just a sword and rolling around the field and then like collecting their souls it was it was definitely um nodding at that type of game um but ultimately it helped to fill in the gaps of stuff i wasn't quite sure about in the main story and it was a nice little distraction but i didn't feel like it was any of it was particularly grand or memorable um but not none of it was bad either i think my like i said my favorite one is arden just because um it actually makes him into a really sympathetic character and um, even though his motivations are still kind of rubbish you kind of understand where he's coming from and it's a very sad story um and also yeah kind of ridiculous that they're like they they literally have a scene where it's like he's being crucified in a way and it's just it's just so you know on the nose that it just made me cringe a bit but at the same time i was kind of um you know respected the balls of square enix to try and pull something off like that um so there was um other versions uh an another version i should say of uh, final fantasy 15 uh the pocket edition um which is essentially an abridged version of final fantasy 15 when i say abridged i i mean that lightly because there's still pretty much the entire main game is in there but with a completely different, almost chibi-esque or more bravely default-esque art style. Um, and this was released uh, first on iOS and Android and then was kind of slowly released on other platforms in 2018, uh, PC, Xbox One, PS4, and mm. Switch. Um, I actually kind of like this as an idea, um, but I haven't, I haven't touched it. Has anyone here had a chance to get hands on with Pocket Edition? No, but I, 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 I'm kind of where you are. Like, I like, I like that it's a thing. It's weird. Like, I, I, they haven't done anything like that previously, to my knowledge. Um, 
yeah i don't know it's a cool idea isn't it but it you on the on the one hand you think oh that's a really lovely idea to kind of get more people to play this game and it's just such a strange way of going about it you can't help but respect it and then if you put your cynical hat on you're like well they were just trying to squeeze as much out of they possibly could out of this this ip you know in every which way they possibly could with the movie and everything yeah, I'm, I I didn't play it, but I had a quick look on YouTube at the opening before we started recording. And once you've played the the standard game, it's very strange to watch the Pocket Edition because the voice acting is the same, but it's coming out of different characters, like characters' mouths that look like almost in Final Fantasy VII sort of character models, but more cutesy in a way. And it's it's really strange to look at um, because the the subject matter is treated so melodramatically and severely, and yet you have these cute little characters waddling around the screen. It's it's um, it's odd to look at, but I think if I'd have played that one first, it wouldn't have bothered me. So there are other games slash demos that were created around Final Fantasy fifteen. We mentioned uh, the Platinum demo uh, for Final Fantasy XV. There was also a mobile game, Justice Monsters V, uh, a King's Tale Final Fantasy XV, which is like a promotional beat-em-up, Monster of the Deep, which we... (laughs) A new genre, that one, a promotional promotional beat-em-up. We also mentioned uh, Monster of the Deep uh, Final Fantasy XV, which is a VR experience, which includes fishing and shooting and all sorts of uh not very deep things that you can do in vr um uh and also there is final fantasy 15 a new empire which is a massively multiplayer online strategy game which seems like the odd one out there like whoa okay um has anyone got any experience of any of these aside from possibly the demo which i think most of us played I did play the demo. I also played a King's Tale, um, mm. which was okay. Um, it it's not very long, uh, and it's not very deep, but it's it's fun for what it is. Yeah, I I played a, maybe half of a King's Tale. I I tried it, but I like, I didn't really care for it to be honest. It was it was sort of, um, yeah, sort of average, and I don't really have time to just um voluntarily play, play average games nowadays um, you've just made a hugely just... profound point about this whole game <laughs> i feel i feel <laughs> but like the the this um so i've heard that there is a, an mmo part to final fantasy 15 and my question is just why bother when so many people love final fantasy 14 yeah. it says it's a strategy game now i don't know anything about this but like that's is it a mobile game? Like, is it... I don't... Uh, I, I'll have to look into it, I guess. I No, I shouldn't look into it. I, I, I thought that the, it was a component of the actual game, that there was, like, some sort of mul- oh, um, maybe. multiplayer online th- thing to it. But to be honest, the overview, just talking about the, the UI, the overview is very confusing, like, the, the menus. And there's a reason for that. It's because it's so piecemeal and they've added parts and they've taken away parts later on it it just looks an absolute mess when you're trying to navigate the the menu in this game so we we've mentioned um kingsglaive and brotherhood uh through the body of the podcast quite a lot um and i feel like we've got our 
views on those two across. But is there any more thoughts on either of these two? So I thought Kingsclave, whilst it suffers from a lot of storytelling problems and character problems, it was it was kind of pretty. It was okay, like watchable, but the the animation was pretty impressive. And if you sort of take a step back uh, and and take the action as a whole, it is a it is a, a a big disaster event movie that that looks good. Um, it didn't nothing stuck with me apart from it had that guy from Breaking Bad in it, and it was clearly him, not gelling very well with his character. But then there was nothing to the character, so there you go. And and, and I did enjoy brotherhood as a way to ease me into the story of these four guys um i i can't judge it against other anime particularly it was it was fine but it was a nice companion piece actually okay let's get on to some uh feedback from the forum um you can go to com slash forum to look up games that we'll be covering in future and share your thoughts uh let's start off with super user uh who says the trailers leading up to it like tgs 2014s genuinely captured my imagination i still want a game that can fulfill the promise they showed 15 is not that game. Between the loading screens, dull combat, and endless travelling of the bad sort, it fell so flat that I lost all will to persevere. Perhaps I would have been moved later on by the story or found that the long journey added up to a great memory. I can't know. If Dark Souls couldn't beat the fight out of me, 15 must be a special kind of masochism that I can't take. And after a fair shot, I'm entirely happy with my choice to give up and do something better with my time. So, a forum post from Ashman86. Inconsistent is probably the word I'd say best describes the game, really. There are a lot of very strong bits here, but each one seems undermined or undercut by a very weak bit. The summons look incredible, but they're few and far between. Teleporting around a battle feels great, but combat itself is clunky. The world seems open, but you're bound by invisible walls throughout. And perhaps most disappointingly, the narrative seems to be attempting something unique, but it just sort of falls apart towards the end. The characters in particular feel compelling and interesting, but I'd argue that nearly none of them get the kind of arc or development they deserve, with maybe the exception of Noctis. Lunafreya is perhaps the most egregious example. At least the Chocobos are pretty cool. In the end, I think I liked Final Fantasy XV more than some, but a lot less than I wanted to. Again, it's a bit of a miracle that the game launched at all, but I think the seams where multiple iterations of the, ga- of the same project were stitched together show, and many of them are sloppy at best. A uh, post from Dr. Raphael says, The game does a great job of capturing a feeling of being on an adventure with friends. The car journeys, camping trips, holiday snaps, mild banter, brotherly quarrels, and matching clothing styles are all there. While the main plot may not be stellar, the more subtle development of Noctis's relationships with the main party, and how they help move him through his transition from teen to adult as he faces highs and lows, holds the entire game experience together for me. It added significant weight to the later sequences of the game, and by the end, I probably had a greater attachment to the party as a whole than I have had even in games such as Mass Effect and Dragon Age, where individual characters are much better developed. The post credit scene around the campfire is, as far as I can recall, 
the first time a video game has moved me to tears. This is the perfect time to mention Florence and the Machines cover of Stand By Me, which is just superb by any metric, and I'm surprised I've never heard it outside of the game. It reached number two in Belgium, apparently. Whether by association with the 1986 film or not, the song encapsulates the game's theme of friendship supporting us through adversity, coming of age, and the inevitability of impermanence perfectly. For my money, it is the best version of this song I've heard, and in my head will forever be associated with all those emotions played out around the campfire as the game ends. For all its imperfections, Final Fantasy XV managed to maintain exciting combat and remain emotionally engaging throughout. How it achieved that for me may not work for everybody, but if you like the idea of a road trip with your pals and can live with an all-flashy shirt but no trousers battle experience, I think this game is worth a punt. Uh, I've got to add a music thought. I completely forgot about the Florence and the Machine songs, but I really enjoyed the EP that, that, that came out. And there's the the cover of Stand By Me, which I really like. And then there's another song, which I believe is an original song, kind of ballad thing, which I still listen to, you know, quite quite frequently. I really, really enjoy it. So um, I recommend people check that out. So Nick's Blaster says, Final Fantasy XV holds a very special place in my heart due to the atmosphere and aesthetics and the welcoming nature of the game that makes itself known as you play. There's something really cool and satisfying about the idea of this fantasy world with magic and monsters combined with a very distinct modern flavour of these characters and their mafia-esque attire of wearing suits and leather jackets and driving limousines that works a lot better than I feel it should. The sleek aesthetics bleed into the UI, as well with the main menu screen having this chilling steel blue background and borders that's really pleasing to look at as you deck out your characters. In fact, if I had to describe Final Fantasy XV in one word, it would be pleasing. There are some big issues with the story and how it's paced, as well as how it fails to showcase character development for many of its characters, which I imagine is addressed somewhat in the DLCs. But Final Fantasy XV is one of the few games I've played alongside Assassin's Creed Origins that genuinely felt relaxing for me to play. I love driving around the world with the guys and hearing their banter throughout the duration of their road trip. I loved stopping at a new town and going into a new restaurant to see what kinds of new food the chef had in store for our heroes. I felt at home whenever I would have the guys set up camp for the night and share a delicious looking meal with each other around the campfire. And I became excited whenever I stumbled across a new dungeon for the guys to traverse through and discover a new kingly treasure. I think this is where Final Fantasy XV's strength lies, in how the world just seems so welcoming to the player and subtly encourages you to explore what it has to offer and watch our heroes' reactions to that world. I feel like Final Fantasy XV loses a bit of this charm at around the Leviathan chapter, though, because from that point onward, much of the game feels a bit more streamlined and less open to the player. And now time for our free word reviews. Uh, If you want your free word review read out on the uh, podcast, um, head over to at Rince on Twitter, we will send out a call out and then you can reply to that with your free word review. Charlotte, start us off. Patrick John says, incoherent bro trip. Jordan says, charming but shallow. David Tibble says, bizarre fashion sense. Christopher Love says, season pass shambles. Pog of Prophecy says, bros before chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> And uh, Chris Smith says, stand by me. 
Um, all that's left is for us to do our summaries. Um, let's. I've I've ordered this from most negative to most positive, and I think I've guessed this correctly. Um, I yeah. think that looks right. So, Tom, why don't you start us off? So, yeah, me- uh, charming but messy is how I I left it, and and in the intervening time, thinking back on this now, um, it's it's a sad. It's a sad thing, actually, because a lot of people may feel like this or not. Having fallen in love with Final Fantasy around Final Fantasy VII and gone backwards and forwards with the series, to finally feel like I've let it go a little bit in my mind. You know, the fact that I wasn't there day and date to play this game, and, and thank God I wasn't, you know, in terms of the version I would have been playing, but to still feel let down by... Uh, uh, dare I say it, a triple A game a year after release is is pretty shocking in a way um, as I say I think I would be way more interested to find out the behind the scenes story of this and to just listen to interviews and maybe see some like early demos of where they got to or why they had to change it and find out that story seems way more interesting to me than the, the actual game's story um, and there's just we've we've hinted on it a couple of times but just it's there's too much good stuff now we all know that that if we're lucky enough to have access to netflix and everything else and game pass and whatever else there is now there's just such competition for our attention with with entertainment and um as i say i played bloodborne before this witcher 3 some truly fantastic like game of the generation for me kind of games to play this after those um, it pales in comparison, unfortunately. And even um, though I did have some fun with the battle system, some fun with the, the the chocobos and things, I think Josh's idea of this vase that's been broken and put back together and you can see where the glue and the broken pieces are, um, that really, really rings true. Um, I knew it was going to be more or less like that when I went in because I'd read the reviews and, and heard the kind of the fan reaction and stuff. But yeah, overall, I find this to just be a, a game that that was in it was in development trouble and it, it really shows all the way through that it just wasn't finished. If it's even finished now, I don't know. And that's a that's a crying shame considering my first Final Fantasy experience was Final Fantasy Seven and I absolutely devoured that. So, yeah. And uh, nothing about this makes me want to go back and play it, play the DLCs, or give this any more time compared to better games uh, and other things to do. Um, For me, like the, playing this game really cemented the fact that the series that I love is well and truly in the past. Like my favorite entries are um early two thousands, late nineties, and then after that it just lost me. Um weirdly, I think I have even though I think Final Fantasy thirteen is uh, uh judged as a whole, I think is probably a game I like less playing it. Um I weirdly have more affection um for 13 than 15 just because 13 was mem- memorably upsetting to me 
like memorably <laughs> uh, it's such a weird feeling but it was like memorably disappointing and somehow that has more value than the complete apathy that i felt towards 15 for most of my playthrough i just i don't care enough about 15 to hate it i just it's not really offensive it's just kind of exists and i and i just don't really care about any of the characters this world this story the music the aesthetic and that's such a shame because when i think about the heights of the series I, I, like those things that i mentioned are always a highlight um so yeah i i can't recommend final fantasy 15 um there are things that it does that i think are brave and interesting but it's not executed at a standard that i think uh makes those things worthwhile and in a post witcher free world i think action rpgs need to try a lot harder yeah, I like Final Fantasy XV. Um, it is not a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination. It has a lot of things that are wrong with it. I, I, The story's kind of a mess, and it is missing large chunks, which are then added in later or were expected to be watched beforehand. Um, but I don't need the story to be perfect, really, because I kind of, I, I kind of dig the, the whole central conceit of these four bros being on a road trip. I just, I like that. That's not something that you see on very many video game uh, plot summaries. Um, and I, the, the, the combat is simple enough that you can just kind of push through it. Uh, if you, like me, enjoy the act of kind of list checking things. So like, there's a lot to do if you like to do things like hunts or, whatever um you can i mean and not all of it's worth doing i i would say unless you are very much a completionist but there i there's some that is you know and even if you just are interested in the base gameplay you can go ahead and go through the the straight ahead storyline and you know not spend a ton of time on it it is still a time consuming game of course but um you don't have to spend the whatever it was 120 hours that i put into my first playthrough um yeah i i wouldn't recommend it to everybody but uh i i think that it is probably worth a try uh, for many people uh, if you don't mind overlooking some of the flaws. Um, I am going to, I think, play some more of my uh, New Game Plus playthrough, and I definitely want to check out Episode Arden. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm not done with this game yet, even though I have that Platinum Trophy, uh, because I need to spend more time with Mr. Feathers. What other game gives you Mr. Feathers? None. None. Charlotte? I have a lot of time for Final Fantasy XV. I mean, and I think this is coming from a perspective of it, of playing it as a first-timer. Um, it has a lot of obvious problems, and I didn't feel all that compelled to do optional content, but driving through the story and finding out how everything unfolded was really captivating for me somehow in spite of all these flaws, and I think that really counts for something. Um, I'm pretty sure that if I go now and play some of the older games, I really want to play um, 7, 8, and 9, that I, my opinion of Final Fantasy 15 will weaken. But for the time that I played it, 
um i had a really good time and aside from that hiccup with chapter 13 i didn't want to put it down somehow and i find it hard to explain why because that broken vase analogy is very accurate but i really enjoyed my time playing final fantasy 15 and i'm feeling that playing new game plus will make it lose some of the magic but i think um just reflecting on when i actually played it i i had a really good time so i think for newbies to Final Fantasy, which is probably not all that common nowadays, but there are probably one or two of us knocking about, I would recommend it. Um, I feel like um, I end up comparing it a lot to Final Fantasy Thirteen now because of me playing Final Fantasy Thirteen before and after Fifteen, and I feel like the highs of Final Fantasy Thirteen were a lot higher and the lows were a lot lower. I felt like Final Fifteen, uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen, sort of remained at a sort of generally positive, mildly positive sort of mood, and there was very few dips apart from this the chapter 13, whereas Final Fantasy Thirteen started off really, really good, like sort of maybe the first two hours were a, a, a slog, but after that, great and then i started really losing patience with it towards the end that didn't happen with final fantasy 15 but it was kind of a a mild positive throughout so yeah i would i would recommend it especially to newbies but maybe just don't get your hopes up too high well it just remains for me uh josh to thank charlotte leah um and tom as well as all of our correspondents and editor jay and of course you for listening um if you've enjoyed the podcast please please subscribe rate and review on your app of choice um if you uh donate to our patreon you will get access to extended uh podcasts this one will definitely be amongst them um so if you want to hear more of us talking about final fantasy 15 uh check that out um, next time, nothing has been announced, uh, but look out for some end-of-year treats coming to your feed. Thank you. Thank you.